Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show is on. And now starting an hour earlier, welcome inside the Radio Octagon. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Here's your host, Michael Ball. And away we go with another show. Wherever you're listening, however you're listening, thanks for making us part of your day. We're going to old school here. Normally, Zinger and I do the show from the same studio. Way back, we used to do it like this where I'm in the sports cage-like studio across the hallway from you. But I thought I'd do you solid, okay, because I'm fighting the aches and pains and a bit of a cold, like I think a flu's coming on. Don't worry, I checked for COVID. Everything's fine that way, although I think COVID's just a fancy way to say flu now. Um, but I'm going to let you take the reins the next two days, okay? Sounds I'm good, I'm going to rest up because I'd like to have a voice for when the Riders play the BC Lions. And uh, we got lots to get to today. Plenty to talk about as it relates to the Rough Riders and uh, what went on in Montreal or what didn't go on in Montreal. But one of the highlights of the weekend was... Wally Bono being honored at halftime when the BC Lions took down his other team that he coached in this league, the uh, Calgary Stampeders, pretty triumphantly. They smoked them around in uh, BC, and he was, uh, along with the Waterboy group, he was honored at halftime, and he joins us now to kick the show off on the Western Pizza Hotline. Welcome to the all-time winning coach in CFL history, Wally Bono. Thanks for joining me. My pleasure, Mike, as always, and always enjoy talking to the uh, CFL fans in Saskatchewan. Yeah, man. Uh, I tell you what, uh, what was that weekend like for you? I saw you, you were getting paraded around here and paraded around there, but Wally Buono had a smile on his face. Well, you know what? It, it, it is a joyous time, and, uh, you know, the fact that you can share it with all your family, and when you get as old as I am, you have kids and you have grandkids, and, uh, you know, they're all excited and they get to do something that very few people can do. And, you know, then to have a lot of your friends there, the water boys are all good friends of mine, you know. So the whole day it was good. The uh, the BC Lions did a great job uh, of putting on the whole event. And uh, as you well know, when you win at home, it's even that much better. Yeah, absolutely, Wally. Um, so it, it was appropriate that the, and it's probably designed like that, it was appropriate that your other team was there, the Calgary Stampeders. Um, when you think about your coaching career, do you think of yourself as a BC Lions head coach or a Calgary Stampeders <laughs> head coach? Well, I can't answer that question because I'm going to Calgary next uh, on, <laughs> on Thursday, actually. To celebrate the 1998 uh, Great Cup uh, victory of 25 years mm-hmm. ago, so I, I want to stay neutral at this point. But uh, the one thing I will say is, uh, you know, I, as a player, uh, I, I was an Alouette, and the, the saying goes in Montreal: "Once an Alouette, always an Alouette." Yeah, no kidding, man. And they're playing some good football there in Montreal. You know, uh, when you went into BC, there was some trouble times there. Bobby Ackles brought you in, and uh, he knew he had a winner when he brought you in, and you got things turned around with him. Um, and it's nice to see it turning around again in BC, both on the field and off the field, I assume, to a guy like you. 
Well, no, it, it is. It's reminiscent of, of what happened in 2002 and three, And, you know, but the thing is, you have great ownership. Uh, it, it really does give the organization a tremendous amount of confidence, but also a purpose. Uh, Amar Doman's in it for the long, long term. So, you know, he's not one of those guys that's a fly-by-night. He's well, well-established, you know, in the, the uh, province of British Columbia, in the you know, lower mainland, and, you know, he, he's got the wherewithal to support a football club, and, uh, you know, he's very personable, he's very much out there, and, you know, he wants everybody else to be the same way, and, uh, you know, that's starting to happen, and uh, they got an excellent, excellent football team that plays great and entertaining football, and, uh, you know, I think the, uh, you know, the ingredients is there for them to, you know, get back to what the, they should be, which is a, a major sports uh, franchise in, in this market. Wally Buono joining us here. He was honored at halftime, and as you heard, he's going to be honored again. The accolades continue as they should. Hey, uh, is it is it is it kind of nice for you now, though? Because when you're coaching and being a GM and having all that on your plate, uh, you don't really get a, a chance to stop and smell the roses. So is it nice to kind of stop and smell the roses now? Well, you know what it is, because, uh, you know, I, I missed the 1974 Great Cup reunion. I missed the 1977 Great Cup reunion. I missed the 1992 Great Cup reunion. And, you know, so you miss a lot of these things that uh, are special. And, you know, when you get together 25 years later with with uh, a group of men and, and women that were involved, it's always a special time. So to, be, to miss it, because, you're, you know, you're – you're either on the road or you're playing the game at home. You know, it's not disappointing, but uh, when you get to go to one or you get to celebrate, uh, it's that, that much more meaningful. Wally, is there any uh, is there any uh, championship as a coach that's more satisfying than another one for you? Like you had that one in, uh, what was it, 2001, where you were the underdogs, you beat the Blue Bombers. You had the one on home turf as the coach of the Lions. Is there any that's more satisfying than another? No, no, I, I would say not when you really just um, uh, think about that individual championship. Uh, you know, the thing that uh, I feel really, really fortunate about is they're all special. But, you know, to win a championship uh, as a player in Montreal in 1977 was very, very special. Uh, to win a great cup uh, as a coach, even though uh, I wasn't coaching for Montreal, but to be in your home city in 2001, that was very, very special. You know, and then in 2011, uh, you know, when uh, we had the game here at home and uh, the stadium was packed and, you know, you go there and you play a game and uh, things go your way, you come out a victor. You know, so those are things that are very, very special. But when you look at it, uh, you know, every picture you see of a great cup championship team is is uh, truly special. So in that 11 season, I think you guys got off to an 0 and 5 start. What what uh, what you know, people credit you with turning that around. I've talked to a lot of different <laughs> I talked to a lot of different players and the fact that you uh, kept an even hand and and pulled them in and said you are my guys. What 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 was it that turned that season around for you guys? Well, here just you know, to keep it in perspective, uh so if I did that to the players, which uh, I believe that I did, it was done to me. Uh, they were clamoring, you know, people like you were clamoring to fire the coach, mm-hmm. okay? And I say that, you know, jokingly, but, yeah. uh, you know, David Braley, who very seldom ever got 
public with anything. He came on uh, uh, Vancouver radio stations and he said, uh, I have confidence and while we are not going to make any changes, we expect him to, uh, you know, turn this franchise around. You know, so when the owner puts that kind of faith in you, uh, you know, obviously it's easier to put the faith in your organization and your coaches and your players because you know you have somebody who's got your back and, you know, the players know that too. So from that point of view, like I said, everybody did their part and uh, we were very, very fortunate to win, I think, 12 out of our last 13 games and uh, the uh, the 12th win was the Great Cup game in, uh, in November. Yeah, no kidding. Wally Buono joining us here on the Western Pizza Hotline. Um, what makes a... One thing I liked about you as the career went on, we touched on this before. I don't know if we were on the stage talking about this one time at the Thunder Dinner, but you didn't wear a headset for a lot of your career. To me, that, but you, but, but you were in charge of the team. Like if you needed to tell them something, you were going to tell the coach. But it was, was that a thing where you just trusted the guys around you? Like what makes a good head coach? Well, you know what? Just because you wear a headset and just because you don't wear a headset, it doesn't make, uh, you know, any particular person right or wrong it just what's right for you and for me you know I wanted to be able to walk around manage the game get a feel for what the players were thinking get a feel for what you know was going on on the field sometimes you gotta uh, you know you gotta go over and talk to somebody and when you're on the headset you get locked in almost to what's going on for that moment and but you know that's why you hire good people to be your coordinators and that's why you know, you uh, you trust them. And, you know, so if I had something to say to one of the coordinators, I'd just walk up and tell them, uh, <laughs> you know, and I, I don't need to know how they're going to call the game. That was all done during the week and in the meetings and all that stuff. So, you know, it, it's part of uh, giving me the ability to be the head coach, which is to manage the game, to make sure that, uh, you know, I'm aware of what's going on, whether it's offense, defense, or special teams, whether it's, uh, you know, uh, third down in the yard or or something of that nature. It just keeps you, I, I believe, more focused on uh, what you're there to do, which is win the game. Wally Buono, I'll tell you what, I was smiling because it's great to see a guy get honored and he's still around. A lot of times guys get put in the Hall of Fame or get honored like this uh, posthumously, but it's great to see you're uh, thriving, got the big family, and uh, good luck in Calgary. Enjoy that one too, okay? Oh, I will, and uh, good luck to you guys. Uh, uh, you know, it's a long season, and when you get your quarterback hurt, no matter who you are, it, it does affect your football team. So be patient with the guys. All nine teams work hard to try to win, but unfortunately, that's not always the case. Wally, those are great words. Thanks for your time, and take care, okay? Always, bud. Take care. Bye. All right. That's Wally Buono, and I'm glad he said that because we're going to talk about that on the other side. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. You're listening to the radio home of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. If you miss any of these shows, you can check them on podcast form, Spotify, Apple, wherever you get them. Give us a Google review. We'd love to uh, have you uh, comment on the show, good or bad. Hopefully good. 936-6262 brought to you by the Capital Auto Group. I haven't talked to any of you after. I didn't even listen to the call-in show. I just couldn't. I just couldn't. 
I started to on the plane because we got the Wi-Fi there, and I'm like, no, I can't do it. Uh, so if you want to call in here and talk some football, more than happy to take your calls, 936-6262-1866-767-0620, or send us text at 936 62 right, yeah, you know what happened. The Riders got absolutely hammered by the Montreal Alouettes. We do this after every game, good or bad, up or down. Let's take an audio journey back in time. Caleb Evans will work under center. He's going to push forward. Caleb Evans to the goal line, and he's in for the touchdown. Just smash mouth football for Montreal. Are Lanier the second and Roberts, and here's Caleb Evans, and he goes down in the sack. And that was a great job by Miles Brown. There's the snap, the hold, the kick is on the way from Lothar, and he nails it, of course. Caleb Evans takes the shotgun snap, looks left all the way, sets up a screen to Fletcher, Whoa. makes the catch. He's got blocking in front, 35, 40, 45, 50, middle of the field. He's on the run. He's in a runner territory. Wow. 40, 30, 20, and he's tackled at the 15-yard line. What a play call by Jason Moss. Evans will keep pushed to the line. Did he get in? Yeah. And it is a touchdown for the Montreal Alouette. Here's Dolagala, throws the slant run. That one is intercepted. Picked off and bringing it back is Kavion Hento. Fakes a handoff. He's going to roll out to the far right side, looking to throw, directing traffic. He's going to hurl it down to the end zone. Intercepted by Amari Henderson. Amari Henderson picks it off. He'll bring it out. He's to the five. And then he got absolutely lit up on the far side of the field. But Amari Henderson saves the day for the Rough Riders. Field goal right down the middle. The kick is up, and this one is good. Cote doesn't miss that. Caleb has time. He's going to throw down the middle of the field. And that one is caught. Austin Mack over the defender. He's running to the right side. 20, 15, 10, 5. Austin Mack trucks into the end zone. Here is Dolagala. He got sacked. The Alouettes came with a late blitz, and they will drop him in the quarterback sack. Sean Lemon got there for his third sack of the season. The late ad by the Alouettes. Evans hands it off to Antwi. Antwi breaks the initial contact, gets through the lines to the five, and he's tackled by Dolky. No! Touchdown! Kick by Lothar. Brett's been good. Two of two in this ball game. Oh, that no. pass it was a fumble, and it's scooped up by the Alouettes, and it's a touchdown! This is- Tyrese Beverett. And I'm not sure what happened to Dolagala. He just dropped the ball. And the Rough Riders give up another touchdown. Here's Dolagala will keep, and Jake Dolagala's in. Touchdown, Saskatchewan. This is a 37-yard field goal from the middle of the field. The hold by Zima, swinging his right foot through the football is the kicker, Cote, and he puts it through. And that'll do it. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Get absolutely blown out by the Montreal Alouettes, forty-one to twelve. Yeah, they got crushed. There's no way to there's no way to candy coat that one. That's a uh, I'm a positive guy. I'm trying to take the positive approach in a negative world, especially here in Rider Nation. That was a horrible loss. That's a that's there's no excuse for that loss. It was a terrible loss. 
I do. I, I'm not making excuses, but travel is an issue. I don't care what anybody says. It's not an issue in the fact like Zinger, who went from Portland to Chicago to Toronto and home, like it's on a charter. So you can't, you, you can only use a little bit of that, but they have played in BC, Halifax, and Montreal three of the last four weeks. Okay. They got, I think the bigger issue isn't the scheduling. It's the scheduling, the fact that they only got one practice on the field. And I think that is a key. They only got one practice on the field. Although, Montreal just had two practices. They didn't have to travel. So I do think it's a minor factor, but you can't, you can't excuse that one away. That was a horrible, horrible game. But I'll ask you this, Singer. Was it, everybody says it's coaching. Coaching's got to have them up. These are professional paid athletes. I have to, like, okay, so Craig Dickinson is a, is a laid-back guy, right, Singer? Mm. He's a laid-back guy. I don't imagine he's overly fiery of not in a locker room. I think he can get mad when he has to. Chris Jones gets mad. Chris Jones sleeps under his desk, and he still doesn't have a win on the season. So he would be in guys' faces. He would be really upset cutting guys and doing all that type of stuff because that's his idea of doing football. Zinger, is it coaching or is it the players? Uh, I think it's just it's collective overall, but if I were to weigh it on a scale, it's more so the players. Yes, it's more so the players. And they, if they're professional athletes, should know that. It is a little troubling that this team doesn't come out and hand anybody its lunch. I don't remember them doing that with Craig Dickinson as their coach. But let's be honest here. There's been injuries. There's been maybe there... They're not a team that's going to hand anybody their lunch. If they're going to win, it's generally going to be a close game. I thought they were going to hand Montreal their lunch. I said by four, but then when I saw Cody wasn't playing, no Sewell, no stand back, like there was no reason for the Rough Riders to get blown yeah, out like that. That's the real head scratcher there. Like, yeah. Going up against the backup quarterback. I know yeah. we have our backup, but. And he didn't he, light the world on fire. He wasn't spectacular in the game. He just did enough to win, but our guys didn't do, our guys just didn't do it. They, and and uh, we didn't block it up. We didn't. I think the run game was okay. I think Morrow had 14 for like 87 or something like that. So it wasn't horrible, but they need a more consistent run game. I'd love to see them get Frankie Hickson back in there because mm-hmm. Jamal Morrow's not an every down back. Yeah. He's not an every down back. Well, we do have a caller here, Ballsy. Do you want to do you want to talk to Ryder Nation? Yeah, sure. Let's go. All right. Let's oh, go. Yeah, hello. Hi, who's this? This is uh, Leonard speaking. Oh, Leonard. Go ahead, man. Yeah, I mean, I had to stop. I had to stop eating what I was eating because I, I was listening to the um, to the game, and I've listened to what you're saying a couple of when, when they were playing. Yeah. And I, I you, you know Dennis Rodman, eh? Yeah, I know Dennis Rodman, yeah. Played for the Chicago Bulls. Yep, and I know he was a and he, he was he was a party kind of guy. Yep, and you know sometimes he would show up late for practice, and sometimes don't even show up for practice. And you know what Phil Jackson did? You don't get to play. The point I'm trying to make is this: the point I'm trying to make is this: these guys, when they leave Saskatchewan, when they go to BC or yep. Montreal, anybody who goes to the club, I say this. You can always go to the nightclub after the game, win or lose. Anybody that goes to the club before a game 
should be benched. Nobody, hey, but Leonard, 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 let me stop you there. That's a false narrative. We got in there late. We got into the hotel at just before 9 o'clock p.m. because I was with the team. We got there. We got our room keys. We went up to our room. Now, I'm not chaperoning these dudes, but they generally have their room checks at 11. Now, I don't know if their guys were out or not, but I'm going to uh, say there was no quote-unquote Montreal flu. That was not a reason they lost. Nobody was out partying. But I'm just saying, if over the years, if that's been the culture, the way you handle that, you know, just like Phil Jackson did, you don't get to play. And that's the way that's the way you do it. And another thing you said that um, about quitting the fans, something about fans quitting on the team, mm-hmm. I think it's the other way around. I don't think no fans quit on this team. I got season tickets for this team. And I'm going to renew my season ticket at the end of the year. And most fans have been renew- renewing their season ticket. I think, Michael, I think this team has quit on the fans as the Saskatchewan fans. I really do think so. How? I, How, Leonard? Yeah. How? How? Uh, well, you, you, you got to... Uh, it's leadership. I like a leadership coming from the coaching staff, eh? When they talk about leadership, people talking about, oh, in, in, the, in, in, in the football room. No, it, it's leadership comes from the way down, from the coaching staff. And I think they don't prioritize... You know, like if, like I said, the culture, like when they travel, mm-hmm. if guys have been going on that St. Catherine Street there and don't prioritize, you know, discipline yourself. Well, like I said, I, listen, I, 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 I've never, I'm not going to critique fans on how they spend their money. A lot of fans went to that game in Montreal. They've been to Halifax. They're a passionate fan base and they deserve to, uh, to do whatever they want to do. Okay. But yeah. what I, what I was saying is people were throwing Mason Fine under the bus and he, he didn't warrant being thrown under the bus. So I don't like when we give up on guys like that. That's, that's okay. what I, that's what I was saying. And I'm telling yeah. you, Leonard, Un- yeah. Unless I totally miss the boat, I travel with this team. I stay in the yeah. same hotel. Nobody. That wasn't a case of everybody going out partying. That was not the reason why they lost that game so badly. But Michael, Michael, over the years, you don't think we have heard that crept into the um, into the scenario where uh, you know where people go, they travel out of Saskatchewan, and they're not disciplined enough to just stay focused. And prioritize what's important. I tell you, Dennis Rodman used to do the same thing with Chicago, with Chicago Bulls. Show mm-hmm. up late for practice. Don't even show up because of party. And Phil Jackson say, oh, you don't get to play. Did you just? Did you, mean, you? Hey, did you just hear? Maybe it's just as simple as this. Think yeah. about this for a second, Leonard. Yeah. Did you hear Wally Buono on the show just before you called here? Wally Buono was on, and he said, hey, have patience. These guys are trying to win, and anytime you lose your your top quarterback, I don't care what team it is, it's hard to recover from. Give them some time. Well, now the Riders didn't just lose their first quarterback or their second quarterback. They're under their third quarterback and had to get Antonio Pipkin, who's been all over the league. So uh, I am going to reserve... I'll tell you this right now, Ryder fans. Thanks for the call, Leonard. We got to go. Thanks for the call. But here's the deal. Panic isn't a plan. It's an emotion, okay? We're four and five, and that's not spectacular, and I'm not saying forget about the loss, okay? That was a terrible loss, all right? But nobody was partying. They weren't out there clubbing it all over the place, okay? They went there late. There was a definite plan for a business trip. Mario Alford said no. In fact, we had to edit up his interview. He said, no, we were told this is a business trip. They went out there, and they got smoked. Okay? They got smoked. There's no doubt about it. But nobody is getting fired this year. 
Nobody is getting fired. So don't think if Dickinson loses here, he's getting fired. Nobody will be losing their job. They're, if they're going to do something, it'll be done at the end of the year. And I can go through when the Riders made coaching. What are they going to do? Who on that staff is who on that staff's going to take over as the head coach of that team? You're going to take two hours of prep time away from Jason Shivers? Really? You're going to do that? You're going to take two hours away from Jason Shivers... And I'm not saying he doesn't deserve to be a head coach sometime, but you're going to take two hours away from Jason Shivers planning on defense to go up against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers after the bye week. You're going to do that every day so he could be the head coach the rest of the way. We're four and five, and we're in the playoffs right now with our third string, not our first string, not our second string, our third string quarterback. You can call it excuses. I call it a fact. Fact was that was an awful performance. Everybody for the t- from the team should be embarrassed of that performance. I know they are, but all is not lost. We'll be back in a moment here on the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. And back with your sports ticker. It's 334. The Saskatchewan Roughriders have opened as seven and a half point un- underdogs this week against the BC Lions. There it is. It dropped on me. Jake Dolagala, who signed with the Riders last year following a three year stint in the National Football League, he is expected to make his first start of the season. So with Mason Fine on the shelf for at least a few weeks with that hamstring injury, the Green and White have acquired veteran quarterback Antonio Pipkin from the Hamilton Tiger. Cats in exchange for global punter Kari Vedvik. Lions and Riders kick off at 5 p.m. on Sunday from Mosaic Stadium. Saskatchewan's best coverage of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders is on the sports cage right here on the mighty 620 CKRM. We're going to get to the phones in a second here. Listen. You people will talk with your money and your wallets and all that type of stuff. And if you're mad, you deserve to be mad if you support this football team. There's no doubt about it. I'm not telling you you can't be upset and you can't have your opinion. And you can't be, you know, disgusted with that. I was disgusted in the booth. Luke was laughing at me. I was so mad. I wonder what Craig Reynolds thought. I was so, He was right next to us on the other side of the glass. I was so mad that they didn't show up for that game. It was it was disgusting. It was disgusting. But at the same time, I've been around to watch really bad football. And um, we're 4-5. and five. Yes, we beat the Elks twice. I get all of that. But you are who you are. We're still in the mix. And coaching changes midseason don't work. 2015, riders get rid of Corey Chamberlain. They were 0-9. Chamberlain and Tamman out. How did that work out? 2006, that was when Roy Shivers got punted. Danny Baird stayed. And uh, then uh, Ken Austin was brought in by Eric Tillman. Greg Marshall replaced by Ken Miller in 2011. They were 1-7. and seven. That was the problem with the Riders. They had Ken Miller still hanging around in an advisory role. Greg Marshall never even had a, a sniff there as a head coach. Felt bad for that guy. So there you go. Uh, that didn't work out. John Gregory was 1-6 and six and fired when Ken Austin went out with an injury. Rick Warman was the quarterback. Rick Warman. You weren't winning with Rick Warman. So uh, John Gregory out. Joe Farragelli was 1-5 and five and 83, replaced by Reuben Berry. Didn't really work out there. And Jim Eddy. Riders went 8-8, eight and eight, missed the playoffs. Only one season removed from playing Ottawa in the 64th Grey Cup. Uh, Eddie was uh, fired during the 1978 season after the Riders lost their first five games, replaced by Walt Pazadowski, who went 4-6. and six. 
So there you go. By the way, no Zach Kolaros in Winnipeg. He has missed the practice, and me thinks he's got a concussion. I know he was on the sidelines there. That's not good news for Winnipeg, or more importantly, Zach Kolaros. Mickey's been on hold. Thanks for waiting. Mickey's on the Western Pizza Hotline. Go ahead, Mickey. Yeah, I think uh, our next general manager has got to be got to have the got to have complete autonomy because since Hobson left here, Hobson appointed a general manager. And he general managed the job. Reynolds is too worried about money. Mm. So you got a general manager that's telling us we don't need Darnell Sankey and we got a 60-yard screenplay run on us? So what are you thinking? We don't need Willie Jefferson? He's not worth that kind of money? Well, what's Willie been doing the last couple of Yeah, years? but Willie wasn't coming back here. Willie wasn't coming back here. When Chris Jones left, Willie Jefferson was leaving. Didn't matter. He said so himself. So that had nothing to do with it. And Darnell saying, I don't think, I get what you're saying about Sankey. I get it. He's a good football player, friend of the show. Sean just interviewed him last week. But our linebacking core hasn't been the problem. I mean, you got Micah Tights, uh, Moncrief, and Dean. Maybe on that play, Mickey, absolutely. But you have to admit, our linebacking core is one of the least of our problems. Well, they could use four of them. Yeah, but maybe they could use a lineman. Maybe they can get a couple of linemen. The problem with this football team the last couple of years, a big part of our problem has been the offensive line for one reason or another. And I'm not picking on the guys. This year, they tried to upgrade the offensive line. Uh, Philip Blake goes down. The tackles, I think we're on our fourth tackles. Um, my concern is when coach comes on and says we got to beef up and we got to hit the weights and we got to be, we got to be, uh, more physical on the inside. I don't, I don't really know what that means in terms of like, where does the problem lie there? That's, that's kind of one of my concerns. Well, the biggest problem is going to be going forward is, that offensive line's going to get whoever's behind that center killed. They're terrible. They're awful. Yeah, they're having a tough uh, time for sure, Mickey. Thanks for tough your t- time. <laughs> well, they are. I, I don't know what it, you're right. They are. It has. That's what I'm telling you, though. That's been the issue for this football team. Put Zach Kolaris behind that offensive line. He'd have been concussed a long time ago. He'd been gone long ago. Yes. Yeah, so that's what I mean. Right, that's that's what I'm saying. So to say bench Mason fine or you know everybody said Jake Dolagala is going to be the savior. Well, he he's not the savior either. He, mighty put together. I'm interested to see what Jake Dolagala can do when he has a week under his belt preparing and a whole week which is what he got what he has now he has a big opportunity in front of him big six foot seven gunslinger let's see if he can process and make the right decisions because we know he can throw the football all over the field and he's got a good receiving core so thanks for your time mickey okay appreciate it let's go to sean and moose jaw go ahead sean yeah I, uh first of all i like the pipkin signing i remember him in montreal and there were times where he was throwing the ball real well and I also don't think yeah, firing people at the midseason isn't going to do us anything. It won't do us anything. But I was going to ask you what you thought was um, the issue with the Riders. And uh, I guess you were talking about the offensive line because other than that, when I look you know, at the talent pool um, that we have, a receiver and everywhere else, it's, it's still really, really good. So it's kind of a head-scratcher as to what's going on now. In fairness to, uh, you know, you talk about having a third-string quarterback uh, playing, but, you know, they had Caleb Evans, and he was 0-3 going into that game. And uh, so they were kind of in the same, maybe, situation with a backup quarterback. So 
I was I was just trying to make sense of, uh, of what's going on with this. Well, right, but, but but sometimes here, sometimes here, you got to look at it too. You, and I know this sounds like an, a cop out, but it's not. That Montreal Alouettes football team. Now that I get to see them with my eyeballs, that's a pretty solid football team, and they were out without a lot of guys. That defense flies around. That might be the best secondary I've seen so far. The way they make plays and and everything like that. Um, uh, so. <laughs> To be honest, man, I'm not just going to pin it on the offensive line, but the offensive line is the heartbeat of your football team. And in fairness to O'Day, he tried to upgrade that offensive line in the offseason. Philip Blake got hurt with his, with his, uh, with his pec muscle. And, uh, the one question I would have is why is Philip Blake even playing in the preseason? He's a veteran. You know what he can do. Why was he playing in not one, but two games? And why was he playing tackle? Don't put him a tackle. He's got to overextend there, but leave him inside the guard. So if you had Philip Blake on the inside, uh, you have Logan Furlan, who's still developing, still a young guy. Uh, Peter Godburn there, who, by the way, isn't 100% with his hand. He's still trying to you know, work through that. And now, listen, I know everybody has injuries, but that just seems to be what the issue's been for one reason or another. I, I can't sit here and tell you that I'm not a talent guy. I can just sit, uh, tell like you, man. Uh, Steve, I think is it, it is. Uh, you look at it. Yeah. Uh, sorry, it was a Sean. Sorry, Sean. Sean. Yeah. Sorry. You look at it. I'm like you. I'm looking at. It, I'm, except I'm calling the game. Um, I like to think I know the game of football, but I'm looking. at it, I'm like, oh, what's going on here? Like, it, it looks like the offensive line is kind of struggling. There, I, I, I was really shocked and I was really disappointed in that game. It was a terrible effort, and sometimes we all have bad days at work. Now, now, the key is to come home and don't let it turn into uh, another second bad day of work because you know who's coming into town here, the BC Lions. They smell blood, and they want to kick the you-know-what out of the Rough Riders. So I'll be interested to see how this team responds under Craig Dickinson. I don't think... If anything's going to happen, it's not going to happen till the end of the season because the coach and the GM don't have a contract, so they're going to go through the rest of this year, and I don't think it serves any purpose to do that. Right, and I'm wondering when he, when Dickinson was talking about the offensive line, I think you said mentioned they, about hitting the weights, that, that sort of thing. I always find that the best offensive line are these fat and sassy guys that can, you know, their guts, I know this is going to sound terrible, but their guts are hanging out, and they got the weight, they can hold their own, and I don't know, this is probably a stupid statement, but are these these guys look like Berlin? Is he underweight? Like, I, like I don't know. I, I don't want to make any I, comments. I, 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 I don't know either, to be quite honest with you. They're just not, they just haven't been physical enough, whether it's in short yardage or whatever. Although I will say, like, Walter Fletcher had the 65-yard screen pass out the back door, which is a great play call by Jason Moss. But he didn't exactly light it up on the ground that much. And him and Antwi switched it off. Like, uh, it wasn't so, uh, so huge that Montreal, uh, you know, uh, had way more rushing yards than the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And they've given up more sacks coming into this game than the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. So I think our offensive line is better than last year. It's just not where it needs to be yet. And they're, you know, it's been a work in progress. One thing with Winnipeg, Toronto, Calgary, some of your better offensive lines, they've been able to throw the same guys out there for the most part uh, week after week. So uh, I hope the guys can get it figured out here and we can get we need for for Jake Dolagala to be successful in this game. We need to have a, a sound, consistent ground game. Absolutely. To, to, to keep uh, BC's great defensive line off our quarterback.
Hundred percent. One thing I do like about Dalagella uh, yep. um, is I like the way he goes down the field. Yeah, it didn't go out great. I know I like Mason Fine too. He's more of a dink and dunk player in a way, right? Yep. But I saw Dalagella going down the field. I like that. And if he can with our receivers, yeah, if we can get that kind of happening. We'll have a good chance. But I, I like your. I thought it was astute when you said, you know, we're gonna. Any games we win, doesn't matter who they are, whether it's Edmonton, Auto, they're going to be close games. Uh, and then we might, you know, we might take it on the chin a couple times. Hey, I'm not, hey, Sean, I'm not shocked. I picked this team with Trevor Harris. I said this team would be 9-9. Nine and nine. That's what I said. They'll be a 9-9 nine and nine team, get to the playoffs. I don't know if they'll be 9-9 nine and nine yet. Uh, talk to me after this game on how Jake Dolagala plays. Because if Jake Dolagala with a week under his belt, the game plan around him, and, and get the other facets of the game to pick up, then you know what? Then I'm, uh, then I'm going to judge after that. We got to go. Thanks for the call, Sean. I appreciate it. Take yeah. care, man. When we come back, we'll talk to Keith Willoughby. He is our dean of the show, but he was in Maui. Man, you got to hear his story. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Nobody covers your team like our team. This is the Sports Cage on the Mighty 620 CKRM. Call it the fan and me, but I'm not throwing this team under the bus yet. Yes, they were awful. Yes, I was mad just like you. I don't spend money like you. I work. And part of my job is to call the team, the team's games. I travel with the team, but nobody, I'm telling you this again, nobody tells me what to say. Nobody's ever told me what to say. I say it. Sometimes I might get heck for saying it, and then I just keep saying it. Okay, this is the Baltimore Orioles. This is Michael Ball and the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. A lot of misinformation out there that I'm a pigeon for the team and that I'll just say whatever and protect Craig Dickinson. I don't. I don't. They were awful. That was an awful performance. Everybody should be ashamed by that. But the beauty is it's a week-to-week league and they have a chance to redeem themselves. I'm telling you this right now. I'll be shocked if anybody gets fired before the end of this year. Okay? They'll they'll look at it at the end of the year. We're four and friggin' five. We're in third in the West. Say what you want, but Dave Dickinson, maybe he's helping his brother Craig keep his job because they're worse than us. Calgary, Edmonton, Hamilton, Ottawa. They're all worse than us. And don't say, well, Ottawa's pretty promising. They almost beat Toronto. Yeah, well, we almost beat Toronto too. 31-13 was a phony score. Okay? Once again, I'm not covering up that Montreal debacle. What a waste of my time. And the thing is, you guys got to leave. You got to go. I got to, I got to sit there and polish a turd. I got to do it for three hours. And I'm proud to. I'm happy to do it. Six-year-old Michael Ball would have sat there gleefully calling a 41-12 drubbing. Because I love my job. I wouldn't like to be there watching it. God, it was awful. I'll stick a fork in my eye. Anyway, let's go to the phone line. Say hi to our... This puts it in perspective, uh, though. This guy's a bigger fan than me. Keith Willoughby. He is the dean at the Edwards School of Business. He does CFL simulations. He's a very astute fan on our show, and he joins us. But this guy was in Maui. You know Maui? The uh, the paradise? Maui? Well, he went there, and what, you spent 40 hours in a car, Keith? That's correct, Baldy. My wife and I went to Maui on the 30th of July. Um, we were planning a 13-day vacation, which it ended up being a 13-day vacation. Vacation. Uh, first nine days were great, and then everything changed on Tuesday, August 8th. Yeah, well, tell us about it, and, and, and just take us through that, man, because you were there eyewitness account. 
Yeah, well, we uh, we were staying at a resort area about nine miles north of Lahaina, a town called Kapalua. So on Tuesday morning, uh, with the effects of Hurricane Dora, it completely uh, shut down the power. So the power went off in the morning. The entire grid on all of West Maui down to Lahaina was down. So my wife Leanne and I decided that we would go for lunch on um, Tuesday. We went to around Lahaina toward the central part of the island where where power was on. We were there having lunch, thought things were great. Decided we would try to drive back to Kapalua to see how things were going. Maybe the power was back on. We get back around 4.30 in the afternoon, about a mile south of Lahaina, and uh, the, we saw the plumes of smoke and the fireball, and we realized that this was going to be a pretty excruciating situation. The, the police shut down all the highways north of Lahaina. We drove back into the central part of the island to fill up with gas and then came back and joined the convoy of vehicles on the park to the side of the highway around 9 p.m. on Tuesday. And for the next 41 hours, we were sitting there until Thursday at 2 p.m. Talk about your emotions there. First of all, A, on a lesser extent, the holiday's ruined. But B, you're in a car and it's kind of scary because you don't know what could happen when you're stuck there. Yeah, there's complete uncertainty. Obviously, there, we knew there were fires in Lahaina. There were also fires in Kihei, which was just to the east of us. I will say that any irritation or frustration or, or anger um, and sadness and tears that my wife and I went through pale in comparison to the real suffering of the good people in Maui. People, um, hundreds and thousands of people that have, um, that have lost their homes, their livelihoods. Uh, of course, the death toll now reaching 100 or, and could reach more. Uh, I just want to put that in perspective as well, that we went through some irritation uh, for three days, but people are grieving now the rest of their lives. Yeah, no kidding, man. And who knows? And that, that'll, that, that's the thing about our news cycle, right, Keith Willoughby? Uh, it happens. You were there. It'll be a little more entrenched in your brain from now on. But for a guy like me that wasn't there, just watches it on the news, it's in the news cycle for a week and a half, two weeks, and then it's gone, and we forget. It's going to take years for that to be rebuilt. It is. And, um, you know, uh, Thursday afternoon when we were told uh, by the police officials because they were shutting the highway. We were about um, about 16, 20 miles outside of Lahaina. They shut down the highways and told us to go seek shelter in an evacuation center, which we did. Uh, but luckily, we found out that they were doing the shuttle buses to the resorts for people, so people could get their, their luggage and their belongings because when we had left Tuesday, uh, we just had the, the clothes on our back. Uh, our passports, all our luggage was back at the resort. We were able to go get our stuff in the, in the evening, uh, complete pitch dark blackness because the power was still out, made our way back to the airport and flew out um, Friday night. So I guess one of the good things, not trying, trying to be too, too uh, uh, funny about this, is I did get to miss the Ryder game completely. Yeah, that that is good. Hey, before we get your thoughts on the riders, uh, forty hours in a car—you probably weren't like you didn't. Did you have food, water? What'd you do for forty hours? You know, that's a great question, Ballsy. Um, we had a couple of bottles of water with us anyway. But what I think really shows the uh, generosity and kindness of the of the Hawaiian people is Wednesday afternoon when we'd been in there probably about eighteen hours or so. We see scores of individuals coming by, native Hawaiian. Uh, offering us bottles of water, snack packs, sandwiches, baked goods, even items if you had pets in your vehicle. To me, that shows uh, the class of these individuals who themselves were dealing with their own losses. They were reaching out to people who were complete strangers 
and showing kindness amidst chaos. There's so so many uh, good people in the world still. We forget about that. Keith Willoughby's one of those, a uh, dean of the Edwards School of Business in Saskatoon, the dean of our show. He's on on a weekly basis. He'll give us some simulations next week. He's just trying to recover physically and emotionally from uh, Maui in a different way this time. But your thoughts, uh, you didn't. You got to miss the game. Riders got smoked 41-12. to 12. Uh, They're 4-5. and five. People want people fired, and this guy gone, and that guy gone. Just your thoughts. I think if you look at the big picture right now of the CFL, I don't know if I've ever seen a season like this where there's such a disparity between top and bottom. To me, I put um, BC, Winnipeg, Toronto, and Montreal, I would say, a sort of your top niche of four teams. I'd put Edmonton way at the bottom. Like, to me, okay, they're next year's territory. But then you got this mix of four teams, Calgary, Saskatchewan, Ottawa, Hamilton. Two of those teams are going to make the playoffs. So I think big picture right now, we're in the mix of, of making a playoff spot and a playoff run. I think what concerns me again, Balzi, I didn't see the game on Friday, but I, I recognize you're never going to go 18-0. and 0. Uh, The other players are professionals, and you're going you're gonna to lose games. I hope that the effort's there, because what concerns me is if the team just laid an egg and didn't have the effort, and again, you saw the game, I didn't. But if there's effort there, that's what makes me enthusiastic as a fan I will say that next Sunday's game, again, with Dolagala in a quarterback playing a very tough BC team at home, I don't know if I need to see a win to make me continue to believe in the green and white, but I need to see effort. I need to see passion. I need to see drive that I come to expect when I follow the green mm. and white. Yeah, that's a good point. I think we've seen. I think we've seen that all along with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Uh, we just uh, didn't see it that game at all. So I, I'm I'm interested to see how they respond. If they no show again, then there has to be some serious questions raised. Hey, I'm happy you're safe. Talk to you soon. Okay. Yes, Baldy. Thanks so much. Appreciate it, man. That's Keith Willoughby returning from Maui with his wife, safe and sound. Um, yeah. Think about this for a second. I think it was about 2014. Mike O'Shea, they're ready to run Mike O'Shea out of town. He's got to win this Labor Day Classic or he's done. I remember doing the call-in show from the end zone. Uh would have been the West End Zone, Northwest End Zone, in old Mosaic Stadium. And the Bombers won on a field goal, I believe, by Justin Medlock. It's 2014. And they won the game, and the rest is history. Now he's one of the greatest of all time, two-time coach of the year. Uh Jason Moss, you know the same Jason Moss that was... uh was had all the accolades bestowed on him so far this season and and yes uh Friday in particular cuz he got the last laugh on the riders and they and they whipped the riders that's another guy you, you a lot of you fans wanted out of town after the last 2 years so just firing people isn't always the isn't always the way to go panic is an emotion it's not a plan this is the sports cage on 620 CKRM 620 CKRM is proud to be the official radio partner of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and your home for the hottest sports talk anywhere. This is the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. Let's get after it. 936-6262, the number to call, 1-866-767-0620. Or you can always call us, or text us, pardon me, on the text line at 936-6262 like Rod did. Rod and Regina, hey, Ballsy, keep up the good work. I agree with you. This is misinformation from fans who like to spread rumors, and that's a sign of some fans giving up on the team. It's a process. They'll be better. I see it and heard it from some players. Uh, Going back to the whole Montreal flu thing and guys out in the clubs and stuff. Now, I'm not their chaperone. I know we went in late. We got in late. Uh, Got our hotel keys at about 9. They go up to their rooms, and uh, they got to be... 
they each got a sandwich at the door. I saw that. And and then they uh, then they go to uh, their room, and they got to be back in the rooms by 11, so you don't have a lot of time. All right, let's go to the phone lines before we get to our Coach of the Week. Alan, go ahead, Alan. Yeah, I was really upset with the play calling and stuff in that game. Uh, uh, the, our defensive coordinator, he, or the offensive coordinator, has got to go. I don't know who they're going to replace him with, but... Anybody, when you're watching it on TV, you you know before they when they come up to the ball, you know exactly what's going to go on, and the other team does too. Well, I mean, who are you going to replace him with now at the start of the year? Who or at the middle of the year? Who are you going to replace the offensive coordinator with? Who's going to call I the place? Well, that's what I mean. I it's, I'm not cutting and you the, down. And the other, the other thing, yeah. somebody mentioned that they didn't get in and th- to the hotel until nine at night. Yeah, like they had, they, they've known for six months that they had to when they're going to be in Montreal. Why didn't they uh, make a flight or, t- or actually uh, uh, like take a take a flight to, on their own and sit out you- there? I don't understand how they why they got in that late. Well, it's pretty simple. They got there that late because they were there for a business trip, so that they're so that twenty-something-year-olds can't get out and do things. They're 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 being yeah. proactive. That's the thing. That's what I was trying to point out. They're not. It wasn't. Uh, well, let's go to Montreal and party. In terms of play calling, yeah. though. In terms of play calling, though, Al, uh, you 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 got your second-string quarterback in there. You got your third-string quarterback in there. You're you're having issues with your line at times. It. It, it it you just work with what you got at times. Sometimes it's not. It's easy to point out the coaches. Do you know what I mean? Well, when they did finally get down near the goal line, there I think they're on the four yard line. They handed off four freaking times, and they finally got in thanks to uh, Montreal taking a penalty. Or otherwise, Montreal would have taken the ball over. Yeah, they can't. They have a hell of a time making a, a yard. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it's tough, man. Thanks for your call, Al. That's where I. That's where I say yeah. they should be trying something else. Well, we'll find out this week, right? We got Jake Dolagala. He's the big six foot seven guy. Can throw it all over the place. So we'll see what he can do in this game. It's going to be great. All right. See, you, Al. I mean, what else am I going to? Got a week of preparation with Jake Dolagala. We get to see if Jake Dolagala can be that guy that everybody wants to see him be it. I want to see him be it. I want to see him be it. Anyway, let's go to our coach of the week. Each week, the sports cage highlights a coach making a difference both on and off the playing surface. This is the coach of the week. All right, so we all know what happened uh, last week. North Regina Little League beat Little Mountain BC 4-3, and they are now going to represent Canada at the Little League World Series. Thursday, they open up against Asia-Pacific team from Taiwan, and our own Blaine Weiland caught up with the assistant coach, Kyle Carson, our coach of the week. All right, I'm joined with Kyle Carson, the assistant coach of the North Regina Little League team that's going to be heading to Williamsport, Pennsylvania, as they're set to take off on Saturday morning. And first off, Kyle, congratulations, obviously, on the big win for Regina. This is only the second time that a Saskatchewan team will represent uh, Canada at the Little League World Series of Williamsport. But first off, Kyle, maybe just talk about the path that you guys took in terms of the tournament itself. Obviously, you guys were hosting, so you had a ticket into the tournament itself, but maybe just talk about the process you guys went in terms of selecting the team and maybe some of the tournaments you took part before the big one here in Regina this past week. So, um, Cole Workin and Cole Packin are the uh, other coaches. Uh, Cole Workin is the 
um, head coach. And so the three of us, we, uh, we ran a development camp throughout this winter and it started in late October and we ran it all the way up until the end of April. And that was a development camp for these, this age group to try and, you know, work over the winter and develop. And then that would give us a little bit of a better idea on which kids would be selected for this team. So we started out with about 26 kids and we ran them twice a week, all winter long. And then in the spring to kind of cap off the development program, we took them to a tournament in Lethbridge where we broke them up into two teams of 13 and they each competed in a uh, icebreaker tournament in Lethbridge. And then we let our regular season um, house ball start with North Regina Little League and the players got split up into two teams again for our, our regular season um, baseball and from there, throughout the month of May, uh, Cole and Cole mainly watched those kids and evaluated them on the games as they were two head coaches within the league. And um, from there, that they made their selections that way. And then for the All-Star team, once it was formed after the June 1st deadline, the uh, the team was able to travel to um, Kalispell, Montana and Bismarck, North Dakota, for two kind of prep turnings before this week leading into the Canadians. And I guess before we start talking about your guys' results of the Canadian Championships, let's just talk about the, the job the North Regina Little League did in terms of hosting the tournament and the facilities. It seemed like it was a, a successful tournament, you know, off the field. Obviously, with the on-field results, it was successful. But off the field, it seems like this week was a big success. Yeah, no, um, North Regina did a fantastic job getting ready for such a big event and putting, you know, Regina on the map for the baseball program, especially within the Little League community. And, uh, yeah, Dean McQueen, Don Salbert, Shauna Rumpel, they were uh, absolute troopers. Derek Leach was another gentleman that had a huge part of that, uh, huge part of that tournament committee. And honestly, this, the hundreds of volunteers that stepped up and helped whenever, you know, the league asked for help. There was, Tons of people that jumped up and uh, did anything they could, whether it was the smallest task, the biggest task. And it seemed like right at the bitter end there, things were getting really close to the tournament date. And, you know, everything just started to come together and come together. And the field looked amazing. The canteen was booming. Um, the little tent city they had set up in the other diamonds was great. Like it, it was, it was a fantastic event. I was in Ottawa last year for an intermediate Canadian championship. And I tell you, like North Regina definitely, definitely did us proud. And just going back to the tournament in terms of you guys on the field, now you guys started off a little bit still in the, slow and then picked it up in the back half of the round robin they just, and you know it seems like with baseball tournaments it's such a crazy swing of momentum sometimes you drop those first couple games and you just pick it up at the end and it seems like was it a situation for you guys you know after those first couple games just something clicked for you guys you know honestly i think the boys came in with a lot of you know a lot of expectations a lot of pressure a lot of you know parents pumping them up and everything like that, you know, to play at a Canadian tournament and you're in your hometown with the thought of being able to go to Williamsport at the end of it. You know, I, I think with 11 and 12 year old young men, it, it's a lot, right? And we played the three toughest teams in the tournament, the very first three games. And, you know, that one nothing loss to BC kind of showed the boys that, Hey, we belong here. And then we played a, a really good Alberta team and, 
they kind of they kind of gave us a lick, and then it, it was kind of like, okay, well, we we got to wake up here to start zero and two was tough, right? So then we played Quebec, who again is always a strong, um, always a strong province at these tournaments, and it was one of those games where like we were up two nothing, then we gave up. We had that one inning where you give up too many, and then we tied it up, and then we let it slip away. And from that point on, it was kind of like, okay, boys, like everybody has this main goal. Everybody has this focus, this dream of going to Williamsport. If we let games like this slip away anymore, that possibility is getting slimmer and slimmer and slimmer. And then we played that Ottawa game against, or we played against Ontario, sorry. And, uh, you know, the, the boys battled and we had a few hiccups throughout that game and they battled and on the bench, they just kept grinding and grinding and grinding. And like right to that very, we had two outs, two strikes, we're down by a run. We got runners on second and third. And, you know, Trayton Manzik comes up and he just puts ball in play like we asked, right? Um, put the ball in play, see what happens. And from that point on, when we walked off that game, it was like, you could see it in the boys. Like we were going to be a scary team to beat. And it just kept on rolling and rolling. And, you know, we got a nice one against Sydney. And then we uh, we played Musha and Musha. Hats, uh, like we got to tip our hat to them. They played a tough game, made it very interesting right to the end. And then rolling into the Quebec game, it was kind of one of those situations where we talked as coaches and it's like, you know what? We got to the semifinal after a slow start. We've done our jobs. Let's let, let, let these boys play. Let's see what they got left. And a great game against Quebec where we get to walk it off again. And then rolling into the BC game, it's like we're on bonus time here. We're in a final. Fantastic. Let's just play a competitive game and, I don't think BC was expecting to get down, and they hadn't been down in a long time. Um, one of the coaches told us they were on a 29-game winning streak. And uh, that's just like you said. It's like That's the way baseball tournaments work. They're very hard to win because it's such a long time and everything has to kind of align for you to be successful. I'm Blaine Wallen, joined with Kyle Carson, one of the assistant coaches for the North Regina Little League squad that's heading to Williamsport, Pennsylvania to represent Canada at the League Little League World Series. And actually, I just want to go back to that semifinal game against Quebec. I helped out the commentary that night for that game, so I got a good view of that. And uh, I, I was really impressed with Jackson Weir, the, the pitcher, you guys, the lefty who started that game. And I don't know, I, as a player, I'm, a, I'm already a big fan of his just because I love the, his pace. It was pretty much he went... Every pitch, he was straight in, no, like he had a pitch clock in his head already. He was, uh, and you must like that as fielders too, with a pitcher like that who's really quick in his delivery. Yeah, no, uh, Jackson, it's his pace, and he gets those batters like you know he catches them off guard. He, it's his pace. As soon as they're in, it's like bam, he's on you. And obviously, he throws well for his age. And uh, yeah, he, he, it's definitely his pace. He controls the game. He's got that swagger to him like there is it's only baseball when he's on the diamond like that's all he's talking about he's not you know some of the kids at 11 and 12 years old even all the way up to you know 18 there's you know some minor chatter outside of baseball in the dugout just because you know that's the kind of way that the dugout works but like for him he's just a kid that it's like all baseball that's all he's there for is baseball and uh yeah it's hard because we wanted to throw him against BC again because he threw 
a shutout, six inning shutout against BC, and in the first game. But it's like, man, if we don't get there, that's such a waste to not use Jackson Weir. And we figured, you know what, we'll throw him against Quebec, get there, and from that point, we'll figure out what we're going to do to win the game against BC, and it all worked out. So. And you think, too, because the way you guys won that game against Quebec, too, you came from behind there, and a little bit of frustration, I know you guys had in that fourth inning, but you kind of chipped away there once you got past their start and got into their bullpen. You guys uh, really made some ground in terms of the fifth and sixth. And did that momentum from that game really carried over into that matchup against BC? Yeah, I, I think it did. Um, like I mentioned earlier, um, the momentum from – you know, that Ontario game that kept us alive in this tournament to, you know, the next game to the next game into that semifinal. And then when you've won four in a row on the back end of this tournament, like the momentum just continued to build. And, you know, there's a little bit of lull in there maybe with that Moose Jaw game. Didn't really go as we expected. It was still the outcome we needed. But then when you get that semifinal where, you know, the Quebec fans were like in our face, like super loud and it, it was crazy. Um, to walk that off and roll into that next game is it makes things, you know, extremely exciting. And, you know, when it's that close, the boys just wanted it so bad. Can you describe the emotions and the thoughts that was going through yourself or and the team when that, when the final was recorded and you guys were officially, you know, you won the game and you guys knew you were heading to Williamsport. There was a few emotions, obviously, you know, you're happy, you're excited, it's crazy, it's wild. The fans came rushing onto the field, um, and then it's like, holy crap, what am I going to do? How am I going to get two weeks off work? How am I going to tell my wife that I'm leaving for two weeks to Williamsport? That is Kyle Carson, coach of the North Regina Little League team, taking on the Asia-Pacific team out of Taiwan on Thursday, um, representing our country. When we come back, we'll hear from Amari Henderson and a ridiculous theory that I heard that's pretty laughable. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Time now for the Cage Clutch Performer on 620 CKRM. Mark swarmed. Stays on his feet somehow. Will have a chance to get it away and he completes it for a touchdown. Olison worked free, but Rourke did the magician work. Lance, are you talk about creating a resume in the preseason? Well, here you go, Rourke. This is your opportunity. He sits back here in the offensive line, absolutely gets destroyed, shakes one man, two man, three, four, keeps his eyes down the field, finds his receiver down the end. Boom, that's a touchdown. Great job by the converted quarterback slash receiver. Back to quarterback, Kyle? Not really sure what's going on, but either way, he's back there making plays and causing a lot of issues for Dan Quinn and his defense. Well, Eric Canada, Nathan Rourke, outstanding in his first preseason game for the Jags. As you heard, he threw that miraculous touchdown pass. He also ran for one and was the talk on Twitter as he was trending after that preseason debut, trying to stick around on an NFL roster, either in Jacksonville or somewhere else. Our clutch performance for Nick Service in Emerald Park, your local Massey Ferguson, Challenger, Rogator, Gleaner, and Fent dealer. Give him a call, 781-1077. Where Saskatchewan sports fans come to talk. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Welcome back to the show. Yeah, I'll tell you what, man. That that announcer didn't know what he was talking. I don't even know what's going on. You're right. He was a he was a receiver in minicamp with the Giants. He's been a quarterback. Uh, so bad. So bad. Like, know your stuff. 
Anyway, what a great play by Nathan Rourke. We're not shocked. He'll uh, he'll stick in the NFL somewhere, unfortunately for the CFL, but fortunately for the CFL because he's waving the Canadian flag. I talked to him after the game. He's pretty pumped. Anyway, uh, you had a story about that. Yeah, uh, kind of along the same lines as uh, Bozel that we just heard. I was in the States over the weekend, and I was watching SportsCenter, and uh, they showed the highlights of the game between mm-hmm. the Jags and the Cowboys. And guess what? They didn't even show that play in the highlights. Can you believe that? Wow. The, the highlight of the weekend in the National That was Patrick Football Mahomes. You would have blown up Twitter. Can you believe that? No, like, I, crazy. I couldn't believe my eyeballs. They Instead, they did a feature basically on that short running back on the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, okay. I would have. I hope he can be the actual backup to Trevor Lawrence. That'd be outstanding. Because right now, was, thought that was ridiculous. Hey, you were in Corvallis, Oregon. How was it? I liked it. Nice little college it's, town. It's amazing the facilities those places have, huh? I heard Portland's. Uh, I went to Portland back in the day with the Pats, two thousand and one. I heard Portland's a dump now. Yeah. Well. Yeah. <laughs> it is. Oh, depends what you classify as a dump. Like there's a. It's well, it's kinda, not Winnipeg, it, but it's no, no, Portland. It's like, it's like a nice and like has some nice scenery involved, but there's just a lot of unfortunate things going on. Yeah. on the streets. Yeah, yeah. It's it, it's pretty tough. Hey, this is an interesting one. We'll get to this story right here. Uh, don't worry about that interview. We'll hear from Amari Henderson at the end of the show. Okay, so. Um, Michael Orr from Blindside, the movie with Sandra Bullock and Tim McGraw. Um, apparently, he is suing them now. I'm just trying to find the exact story here. So, uh, where is it here? Give me a second in my papers. Um, the Tui family. So, the petition in court alleges the Tuies used their power as conservators to strike a deal that paid them and their two birth children millions of dollars in royalties from the Oscar-winning film that earned more than $300 million, while Orr got nothing for the story that would not have existed without him. In the years since, the Tuies have continued calling the 37-year-old retired football player with the Ravens uh, or their adopted son, but they never did actually adopt him, he is saying. So uh, they, he wants them to have their conservative uh, conservatorship rescinded, and he's seeking full accounting of the money from the movie that the Tuies have earned using Orr's name and have the couple pay him his fair share of profits as well as an unspecified uh, compensatory and punitive damages price tag. So, here's my thing, okay? I, I like that movie. It's a great movie. I want to say this. <laughs> Why did it take him all these years to come forward? If there was such a problem before, he should have come forward. Am I right? Like, he should have stepped forward on this thing. But he didn't. And now he is because he's out of the NFL and he's probably out of money. So now he's got to say, oh, they did me wrong. They did me wrong. The family has not, uh, the Tuies have not come forward. So, uh, yeah, interesting. When we come back, we will hear from Lacombo. Not Nelson, but his brother Bo's playing at an all-star level for the BC Lions. We'll be back with more here on the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Sports ticker for Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They will treat you right. 781-2090. The semifinals are set in the FIFA Women's World Cup. Spain will meet Sweden in the first semi tomorrow at 2 a.m. Saskatchewan time. And on the other side of the bracket, Australia will meet England on Wednesday at 4 a.m. The winner of the two semifinals will meet in the Women's World Cup final on Sunday. Sports Cage is your voice for football, not only in the province, but around Canada. This-
This is the Sportsgate CFL Report. A look at what's happening in our three-down game. Let's go. Spread right, fake spear. Play pass, 16 counters, ZD bang. Full back west right, zoom. Full back left, pass half back at zero. Z quick spin left, on one. Right. The CFL Report brought to you by Kevin's Marine and Fort Coppell. Make the most of summer with a boat or pontoon from Kevin's Marine. Check them out in person or online at kevinsmarine.com. We know Mason Fine hurt his right hamstring in that game against Montreal on Friday. And Coach Craig Dickinson told us exclusively on our postgame show that would be about two to three weeks before we might see Mason Fine back playing with the Rough Riders. So they went out and acquired quarterback Antonio Pipkin from the Hamilton Tiger Cats in exchange for kicker Corey Vedvik. Pipkin most recently played in four games with the Lions in 2022, completing 29 passes for 393 yards and two touchdowns. He carried 43 times for 137 yards and seven rushing touchdowns. And in his career, he is a total of 1,846 yards passing and six touchdowns, 586 yards rushing and 21 touchdowns. So he will be brought in as insurance. Jake Dolagala most likely gets the first team reps when they take on the BC Lions here on Sunday. And the Edmonton Elks might not get anything right on the field, but off the field they're trying their hardest. The Elks have made two key additions to their organization through the Kids with Cancer Society's Dream Experience program. Anton Massini, who is 11, and Mayor Tigalar is 10, and they signed uh, one-day contracts with the team. They get personalized jerseys, tour of the team's locker room, and they attended practice at Commonwealth Stadium, and uh, they get to meet the media today after practice. So that's some good news coming out of Edmonton off the field. That's your CFL report. It's time to step into the radio octagon. You're tuned to the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. Welcome back to the show, 936-6262, the number to text. I saw this theory. Uh, Other quote-unquote media type said, Craig Dickinson gets gassed. Jeremy O'Day doesn't get renewed. That Scott Flory, he's... He believes Scott Flory would be the coach and GM. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, I love Scott Flory. Great Regina boy. Hall of Famer. Why would he want to leave a great gig at the U of S where he's running his program very successfully, I might add, to be a coach and general manager? One doesn't just become a general manager without... You know, you got to have contacts and everything like that. And I wouldn't think Scott Flory would want to be a coach and GM first time. Okay? <laughs> now we're just falling off the deep end. This is a real head slapper. Unreal, man. Some people are out of touch. Okay, let's go to the phone and say hi to this guy. This guy's playing at a stud level. I like his brother. His brother always fist bumps me on the plane. Uh, I'm watching this guy bumping people around the field. Bo Combo joins us from the BC Lions. Hi, Bo. Hey, guys. Hey, how you doing? Man, you are having an all-star season. How do you keep doing it? You're like a fine wine. You're getting better with age. It sounds like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, just taking care of the body, you know, trying to stay healthy as as healthy as possible, trying to eat right, put the right things in your body, stuff like that. So mm-hmm. all that, um, all that is important, and all that is uh, is good if you know you want to continue to play at a high level. Yeah. So when did you? When did that click for you? When did you know you had to take care of your body and put the right things? And it was it right away, or did somebody teach you that? 
Yeah, it was definitely pretty early on. Uh, even going back as far as college at Oregon, I remember we used to have to stretch every day. We used to really have to take care of our bodies. We had a nutritionist who told us what what to eat, when to eat, stuff like that. So that started in college, and then you you know you continue those habits as you get older, um, and it, you know it pays the price. So yeah, that's what I've been doing for a while, and I feel good and playing pretty. Playing pretty good. Yeah, you're playing real well, man. Talk about that defense. Here's what I hear about your defense. It's fun. We're told to have fun. Uh, but you don't hear that a lot in pro football. So what makes playing in that defense fun under Ryan Phillips? Yeah, it, it starts with the top. You know, from the top to the bottom. Ryan Phillips, Coach Phillips, he's doing a fantastic job. Um, especially, you know, on the on the field and off the field, you know he keeps us motivated. He's a great leader. He he also was a player and he was a good player and he um, he played at a high level. So he knows, man. A lot of guys look up to him and a lot of guys respect him. So Ryan Phillips and then the coaching staff, our whole coaching staff from Coach Bowman. You guys know John Bowman. He was a great player too. Uh, we have Travis Brown. A whole defensive squad. Really, everybody has some experience at this level. And now they're great coaches, which, you know, great teachers, which makes them great coaches. So it starts from the top and then it goes to the players. The guys are, bought, are buying in, we're locked in. Um, and then, like you pointed out, we're having fun, meaning every time we make a play, we want to celebrate together. You know, it's contagious, especially on defense. It's a, it's a team effort. So it's just, yeah, it's just really fun. We're, um, we're really, we're really enjoying it and, you know, it makes winning that much more. So, so um, you know, you had Clay Brooks in there as a coach, and I don't, you know, I don't want to, you know, you've had other coaches, and then you had this guy Rick Campbell and his staff. What, what makes players want to buy in? Like, how, you know, what makes you uh, ultimately say, okay, I'm going to do what this guy's telling me to do? Yeah, I think for me, it's um, someone who leads by example. You know, someone who kind of talks the talks and walks the walk. You know, and I. I I feel that with Rick, and and um, unfortunately, actually, I wasn't around. Yeah, you weren't, Ray yeah. Brooks, yeah, when he was the coach, so I can't really compare. But I know with Coach Rick, he's uh, he just uh, just he just knows he just knows how how to take care of the guys, and he understands it. So yeah, yeah. yeah. I caught myself there I, as soon as I came out of my mouth. I knew you weren't there, but you've been around different coaches, so you know what when you see it, and it's a good thing. We know the vibe in BC; it's pretty cool there. Things are uh, things are cooking on the field and off the field, Bo. Yeah, man, things are cooking. It's it's really hot right now. Like in the, I think it's thirty five. Yeah, thirty five degrees, man. It's been it's been hot. Things are good. Yeah, no kidding. Hey, I saw you guys celebrating on the sidelines there when uh, they showed in the jumbotron your old buddy Nathan Rourke throwing that touchdown against Dallas. Yeah, yeah, that was a pretty cool highlight, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, I feel like I feel like everyone saw it at this point. That was that was amazing. Yeah. So talk about Good how spe- him, talk about how special it is to play uh, with your brother, uh, you know, against your brother, but on the same field. Oh, it's it's really cool. You know, I try to watch Saskatchewan every time they play. I try to watch him on TSN just to look for my brother, just to see. Um, you know, I'm I'm a father of two, so sometimes I gotta go into daddy mode. But mm. um, yeah, I try to watch my brother play. It's it's always for me. It's always like a special moment when we get to share the field at the same time. You know, my brother, he's a hard worker. I know he's dealt with some injuries and things like that, but he's a warrior. 
You know, we uh, were cut from the same cloth, so I know he plays hard um, and works hard. So yeah, I'm really proud of him. And, uh, yeah, I can't wait to see him all Sunday. Yeah. What's it like coming in here as an opposition guy in Regina where football does matter and everybody likes to heckle you and yell at you? Oh, in Saskatchewan? Yeah. The, the fans? Yeah. I, lo- I love playing Sask. That's probably, like, the best football environment to play in. And um, I just like the sea of green and that feeling of, like, the whole world against you, you know, you you versus the world is just like it just makes you want to play that much more, um, you know, more harder. Mm. So uh, back to your brother, what's the biggest piece of advice you've given him? I've seen him. He comes on the bus. He comes on the plane. He's always got that uh, that roller to roll out the kinks. He carries it around everywhere he goes. Did you teach him that? Uh, nah, I didn't teach him that. <laughs> what, what, what's the biggest piece, what's the biggest piece of advice you've given him? Uh, I, I've, I've told him, you know, um, when things are going bad, you know, don't beat yourself up. And when things are going fantastic, don't be too high. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. over, always have an even keel, always have a cool head, um, you know, just yeah, you know, stay level-headed. My brother is—he uh, himself—he's he's a grown man, man. He's uh, very mature for his age, and he's—he uh, can handle himself. But uh, yeah, he, whatever piece of advice I could give him, no matter what, even when he comes to me and asks me a certain thing, I just—you know—I'm there for him, man. So that's my um. Yeah. yeah that's so you got you guys got your lunch handed to you by the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. I'd put an asterisk by it because you had played two road games in five days. The Riders had traveled a lot, and they go into Montreal and they they have a no show. When something like that happens, because I hear this from a lot of people, we got to fire the coaches. They don't have them prepared. Who like who does that fall on? Is it a combination, or at, ultimately at the end of the day, it's up to the player to execute what's going on? Yeah, I think it's definitely a bit of both. Um, the execution, the uh, kind of like the strategy going into a certain week, and um, just the guys buying in. You know, uh, it starts. It always starts with practice. You, know, we, you see the guys, you see how everyone's going, how everyone's playing, and then it carries over to game to game day. So I think it's definitely a bit of both. All right. Well, Bo, best of luck, man. Can't wait to see you here. Uh, you and your brother Nelson on the same field should be uh, a real good time. Hopefully it's better for us this week. But uh, all in all, good luck here and uh, stay safe, okay? Hey, I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. All right. That's Bo Lacombo, brother of Nelson Lacombo of your Saskatchewan Rough Riders. He wears number 20 of the BC Lions, having an all-star season, one of the great Canadians in our game. We'll be back with more here on the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. We're talking sports on your way home. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. All right, uh, let's get to a few things. Hey, I want to tell you that it looks like, according to our own Blaine Weiland, they got to find this here. Team Saskatchewan beat Quebec 1-0 in the bronze of the Baseball Canada Cup. Walk off in the bottom of the seventh with two runs. So, uh, I don't understand that. So, they must have won 2-1. 2-1, not one nothing. It was one nothing Quebec, and then they won 2-1. Or Blaine's been drinking at the Youth Ball Diamond. I don't know. One of the two. Uh, <laughs> elsewhere in the world of sports, David Krejci is done. Krejci is uh, retiring from hockey. 
Uh, the 37-year-old spent the entire career with the Boston Bruins, selected him in the second round of the 2004 draft. He finishes with 786 points in 1,032 regular season games, sits ninth in the Bruins' all-time scoring list. The right shot center's best output was, output rather, was 73 points, which he achieved in the 2008, 2009, and 2018-2019 seasons. He's best known for centering the Bruins' number one line during their 2010-2011 Stanley Cup season, flanked primarily by Milan Lutz. Cheech and Nathan Horton. That was the Stanley Cup where Vancouver burned to the ground, didn't they? They smashed windows and burned when they lost. Mm-hmm. Typical Canuck fans. Uh, what else can we tell you about? Um, Colorado Avalanche defenseman Kale McCarr is the cover athlete of NHL 24. Yeah. Um, here's what you need to know. He's been a Norris Trophy finalist for the league's top defenseman each of the past three seasons, winning the award in 2021-2022 year with 28 goals and 86 points. The 24-year-old becomes the first Avs player to grace the cover since Joe Sackick in uh, NHL 2004. He's the first defenseman selected since which defenseman? First defenseman since... Uh, was in 2019. Oh, uh, was it Shea Weber? P.K. Subban. Another, another Habs defenseman. I hate being wrong. The full tw- NHL 24 reveal, including its official release date later this year, uh, is scheduled for Wednesday. Hey, uh, can you have... Uh, this is uh, this is something I didn't tell you about. Can you have cart YS61 ready to go here, buddy? Oh, yeah, I Sorry. have it. Speaking at an event in China as part of a marketing tour for Adidas, 76er star James Harden reiterated his desire to not play for Philadelphia, at least as long as the GM Daryl Morey, who was in Houston and is now in Philadelphia with Harden, is there. Here's what James had to say. Oh, (laughs) that's not what he had to say. Sorry, (laughs) bro. Sorry, bro. He basically said he... No, it's my fault. He basically said he will never play. He's never going to play for the Philadelphia 76ers as long as Daryl Morey is there. And he says, I'll reiterate this again. Daryl Morey is a liar, and I will never play there. On Saturday, team sources confirmed the athletic that Morey and the 76ers have decided to end trade talks involving Harden. They're expecting him to report to training camp in late September. So a little drama in the NBA. I know you're you're shocked by that. How about this? Former Tennessee Volunteers quarterback Peyton Manning is joining his alma mater's journalism school as a professor. Uh... Of practice this fall. Manning will uh, join the faculty for select classes and partner to teach some curriculum, including sports reporting, video production, and performance leadership and communication and public speaking. I'd say, oh, come on, but that's actually kind of cool. We're talking about practice. Practice. So he's going to be in the in the classroom. I, I'd take Peyton okay. Manning's class. He was at he, uh, he was at uh, he was at Lambeau Field a couple weekends ago. Remember that? Oh yeah, he was. That's he right. He was walking around surveying. Mm-hmm. It was funny because one fan randomly came up to him and gave him a Denver Broncos helmet, and mm-hmm. Peyton looked at him and was like, "So you just randomly carrying around a Broncos helmet at Packers practice or what?" That's hilarious. That funny. He is a funny guy. Zeke Elliott has found a new home. One year, six million dollars with Belichick and the Patriots. So there you go. And Zach Martin, Zeke's old teammate, the 32-year-old offensive lineman has ended his holdout. The all-pro guard re-signing with the Dallas Cowboys. Apparently he's being fined $50,000 for every day he failed to report, which started back on July the 25th. So he's out a few dollars. So there you go. And uh, the Athletics come up with the top players under 25. So they've got to be 25... Or under in week one, okay? Mm-hmm. So here is the uh, 
Here's the top 10, and we'll go through them. Number 10, Tristan Wirfs. He's the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers offensive tackle. Mm-hmm. Made an immediate impact for the Bucks, yielding just one sack in his rookie season. Number 9, Sauce Gardner, the 22-year-old. Uh, talent evaluators asked about him, said the second-year pro is one of the best cornerbacks in the league, regardless of age or experience. So Sauce Gardner at 9, that's interesting. He's a good player, too. Yeah, saucy. Yeah, yeah Jalen Hurts at 24, the eighth ble- uh, best player in the NFL, 25 or under. Led his team to the Super Bowl, and they should have a pretty good chance to get back there again in the watered-down and weaker NFC. Number seven, defensive tackle Quinnen Williams of the New York Jets. He's going to be 25 when the season starts. Showed promise as a rookie, and in years two and three, um, he took a massive leap last season, racking up 12 sacks, 55 tackles, 12 for a loss, four pass deflections, and two forced fumbles to anchor the Jets' defensive front. He got a big payday, too. Four years, $96 million. Number six, Justin Herbert of the Chargers. Of course, he signed the big deal. He's the top-paid quarterback in the NFL till Burrow signs. Number five, Burrow's teammate, Jamar Chase. He's a stud. Mm-hmm. Jamar Chase is great. I think he's the best. Yeah. I think he's the best receiver in the league. I do, too. I, yeah. I, said, it, I said it last year. Yeah. I'll keep saying it. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Broncos cornerback, uh, number four top player, 25 and under, Patrick Sertain the second. Mm-hmm. They they say he's generally the best athlete on the field. You got to be a real good athlete to be a corner in the NFL. Uh, I'd love to watch a game with him live. Actually, have you ever seen him play live? I don't think so, Ballsy. I don't think so. Number, that would be a treat, though. Number three, DN Nick Bosa, the 49ers, the better of the Bosa brothers. They're both kind of made of glass, but <laughs> Nick Bosa, number three. Has he ended his holdout yet with the 49ers? Uh, last I checked, he was still holding out. Yeah, he probably should. I'm not up to speed at everything yeah. Niners, though. Niner, num- number two, the edge rusher of the Cowboys, Micah Parsons. He is the number two player, they say, according to The Athletic, uh, 25 and under. Uh, a best player and the number one player. Who do you think it is at number one? Athletic, uh, twenty five and under. Joe Burrow is not. He's he's older. I am going to go with Mister <sighs> Justin Jefferson, receiver, Minnesota Vikings. Oh, that's so lame. I think I'd flip him. Actually, I'd put. Uh, that's so lame. I'd put uh, Jamar Chase. See, I, he one. wasn't even in my thought process. Yeah. He should be on the list. I'd actually put Herbert know. ahead of Sertain, too, to be quite honest with you. I think I think Herbert could have an MVP year this year with uh, with what's his name, uh, Kellen Moore as the offensive coordinator. Have they done anything with uh, their offensive line? The oh Chargers? yeah, they, they got a really good offensive line this year. Yep, they've they got the guys back healthy now, so they'll probably get hurt because they're the Chargers and they always get hurt. Uh, I got some text to address here. Uh, Who do they play week one? Do you uh, uh, Miami? Oh yeah. Uh, in San Diego or Los Angeles. I wish it was San Diego. Hey, I'm an Oregon State Beaver alum living in Saskatchewan and born in Arcola. Nice shout out to the university. It's a great place to go to school. Jarrett Lees from Weyburn. So you were in Corvallis. That was a shout out to you. Yeah, I was at Reeser Stadium. Yeah. Is it it nice? Yeah, it's a nice stadium. It's a nice campus. That's awesome. Ken from Kelowna. Firing is a plan. And necessary. Our last 16 games were 4-12. and 12. We haven't beat a 500-plus team since I had hair. How can a temporary coach do worse? Well, he can do worse. Um, Corey Chamberlain was fired at 0-9. 
back in 2015. How did that work out? Not very good. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? Uh, we had Roy Shivers out as the GM in 2006. Barrett stayed the rest of the year. Then he was out for Ken Austin, and he did win the Grey Cup the next year. Greg Marshall replaced after a 1-7 and seven start by Ken Miller. That ended miserably. John, that whole thing was awful. John... Um, Ken Miller shouldn't have been around that football team. They'll disrespect the grandpa Ken, but they uh, really, he had his shadow over Greg Marshall. Total different uh, polar opposite personality, and Greg Marshall didn't have a chance to uh, succeed. John Gregory, Grey Cup winning coach, went to the playoffs in 90, started his season in 91, 1 and 6, because Ken Austin got hurt, and Rick Warman was his coach. He got fired. That's just his quarterback. Sorry. How a head coach can get fired after uh, your starter, starting quarterback goes down. Joe Farragelli, 1-5. He was fired in 83, replaced by Reuben Berry. That didn't work out. And Jim Eddy was let go, replaced by the great Walt Pazadowski, who was 4-6. and six. So that didn't work out either. I, I, th- if they're going to make a change, it's going to happen at the end of the year. That's how I feel. I don't think... They're in the mix right now, right? Am I you wrong? Can't, you can't be talking about uh, coaching changes and stuff when you are... In the playoffs. In the playoffs. Yeah, they're in the playoffs. Now... If they show up here, Zinger, I will say this. That was an awful loss in Montreal. It was terrible. Some on the coaches, uh, the players bear responsibility, too. they got to show up. That was the first game this year they really haven't shown up. Yeah, they're going to show up on they Sunday. They have to they're... show up on Sunday. If they show up and play hard on Sunday and give the Lions everything they can handle, then I'll still, uh, I, I, I won't deviate off my positivity here. If they don't, we got some we got some problems. The, the league in football is just so weak to weak. It is. If, if, think, if the Riders beat the Lions on Sunday, we're not even going to be thinking about this Alouette's no. game. It's just going to be a complete... 360, baby, so come on. I'm eager to see what Jake Dolagala can do. A lot of people wanted the bench Mason fine, and they wanted Jake Dolagala. So I'll be the guy, and I'm going to get behind Jake Dolagala. I got nothing against him. Let's see what Jake can do. They, Maybe they, Jake is the guy. And right away when I when I saw the transaction on of the Antonio Pipkin trade, I yep. thought right away, maybe this Pipkin can help cure the short yardage problems. Could a be. Bit. Maybe, Could be. That's know? what he's good at. That's yeah, what he's good so at, for they, sure. So look at it that way. Don't look at it as him coming in and saying, Saving the world through the air, maybe just a little thing here and there. It can help the team going forward. Listen, short we're not going to be, we're not going to go out and we're with this football team and the problems we're having a quarterback and uh, trying to figure out the offensive line. We are not going to roll teams. We just want to win the game, whether it's 17, 16, 21, 20. That's the way it is. We want to win the football the game. game. We need to win the game. Play to, to win, win the game. game. When we come back, we'll do some power ranking zinger. You and I, and we'll hear from Coach Craig Dickinson. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Sports Talk lives here. Welcome to another hour of the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. All right, let's get after it. Sports Cage brought to you by... Well, it's not brought to you by anybody today, but this segment, The Coaches Show with Craig Dickinson, is brought to you by our good friends at McDougal Auctioneers, where you're guaranteed the best buying and ex- and selling experience. They sponsor our broadcast booth during the game. So let's hit that there, Zinger, if you can. This is The Craig Dickinson Show, our weekly chat with the writer's bench boss about the latest news from the locker room. It's the only place where Dickie takes questions from Rider Nation. So, 
in fairness to Dickie, he did call. Uh, he texted me. He said, hey, so we good to go on Monday? I said, no, you know what, man? I'm going to give you the day off. You're going to have the day off. That's a solid for me. You just worry about uh, getting this team on the right track. And he has to answer questions all week long. So we'll have him on throughout the week here in the uh, presser playbacks that we like to run here from after practice. But uh, we did get first crack at the coach after the game. And if you missed our postgame show, here are Coach Craig Dickinson's comments with Luke Mulder, who, by the way, I thought did a real good job in this interview. Coach, obviously, you know, um, Pretty, pretty much out of your hands from start to finish here. Um, was the team prepared? Did you feel like you guys were prepared coming into this? Like, where, where'd, where'd things go left? Yeah, I think I think we were as prepared as we could be on a short week. You know, we only practiced once, but, you know, they didn't do anything, Luke, that, that we didn't, you know, we haven't seen from other teams. It, it's just football 101, and when you can smash people and you can fire off the football and knock the other team back, you're going to have some success. So that was just a physical beating there, right there, you know, and we'll have to um, look at that and try to make some adjustments, maybe make some changes. But, but the reality is it was a bad day, uh, and we, gotta, we feel like we still have a good team. But we've got to improve, and we've got to improve this next week. A lot of people are going to be asking uh, Mason Fine status. Yeah, pulled a hamstring over there. I don't know how serious it is, but certainly wasn't good enough to come back. So I would guess two to three weeks. You guys have sort of had to go deep into your quarterback. Was there any? Was there ever any sort of with the score out of, as out of hand as it was? Was there any thought like, hey, do we get a look at Shea Patterson here, or do we give the reps solely to Dole Gala? This is our backup to the backup guy, and he needs the reps. We we wanted to give Jake the reps, and um, and Shea was coming off a little bit of a knee, so he wasn't 100% either. So we felt like our best chance to win was with Dole Gala, and then we wanted we wanted the healthiest quarterback out there, and that was Jake. Coach. You've got BC, and they they just finished getting smoked by Winnipeg. They're going to come in. They're going to be ready to go. Um, how do you turn this around? Do you do you watch this film? Do you like what is the process in terms of you know critiquing where the corrections need to be made to hey this is a good team coming in? Yeah, well we the nice thing Luke now is we got some extra time, so we got a little longer to prepare. We're definitely going to watch this game, and we're definitely going to make you know make some corrections, and we're going to show the film to the guys in a couple of days and say here's how we feel like we can get better. Here's what we demand, and here's what we expect in terms of getting better. So we're not going to just throw the film away because I think there's too much you can learn from it. But but our primary focus will be on BC, and, and as soon as we get this film watched and the corrections made, our focus will be on BC, and that's what we'll be looking at. You know, I was listening to the uh, the pregame interview that you gave Michael Ball today, and 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 you guys were talking about just sort of the noise on the outside, and and, and you know you you talked about just sort of like you know how the media narratives and the fan narratives are going and the important things that you guys focus on. Like you know, it's obviously the noise is going to become a little bit louder now, rightfully so. But how do how do you necessarily protect your team from that well the best thing you can do is just keep working you know and uh, and really just just emphasize to you guys here's what we're trying to get out of this season here's what we expect from you as a player and here's what we're going to give you as a coach and you know the reality is we live in a world where everybody's got an opinion and everybody should have an opinion but the opinions that matter are the ones that 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 are given in our building and that includes management all the way down and the, and the players are the ones that matter so our focus is on players, is not on the folks uh, out there in the in the media world. Where our focus is on players. How do we get better, and how do we coach them better, and how do we play better? So it won't even be, it won't be hard to ignore the noise because we got too much work to do, anyways.
Coach, this question is, is not a question to make you call out people. I'll say that before I ask it. You know, the effort that Montreal showed today defensively on the offensive line, there was a there was a clear sort of difference, right? I guess the question is for you is who do you lean on now because you said, hey, it is on the players. Which players are you now going to lean on to get you know that next step made right yeah well we gotta watch the film but we're gonna lean on our veterans you know those are the guys we signed for a reason those are the guys we brought back for a reason and we expect our veterans to to take the group and lead you know and so up front that you know it's it's evan johnson it's logan furlan it's peter godber we expect them it's colin kelly to lead by example and uh, on the defense you got larry dean you got anthony lanier you know there's some guys uh, micah johnson you know there's some guys in the secondary uh, Nick Marshall, we got good, we got good players back there, you know, and we expect them to lead and 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 show the young guys how it's done. So we're not calling anyone out because honestly, we like our team and we feel like we've got a good bunch of guys. But it's on all of us, players and coaches, to get better. And the only way you get better is to have honest conversations, look in the mirror, and make a commitment to do something a little bit, a little bit differently, play a little bit harder, get in the weight room a little bit more, be a little more physical, watch a little more film. All that stuff. So there's lots to do in the next uh, seven to eight days. Well, let's get started. Thanks, Coach. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, Yeah, so you want to see them come out with a great effort because they got time. They'll be rested and everything like that. That was a horrible loss, inexcusable loss, and they're professionals, so hopefully they regroup. If they don't, then we got uh, bigger conversations to have. There's no doubt about it. But I don't see anybody going before the end of the regular season. It doesn't make a lot of sense for that to happen unless they get – like if BC comes in here and wins 56 nothing, and uh, and the fans want to burn it down, then people are going to have to start taking notice. But I don't see that happening. Uh, it'll be very interesting to see what Jake Dolagala can do with a week of practice under his belt. But the word that was mentioned there, physical. They have to be physical. They have to come in flying around on the defensive side and be physical. For the most part, they've been pretty good defensively. And they have to be physical up front on the offensive line. they got to... Uh, was it align assignment execution alignment assignment execution as Luke says and, and physicality factors in there one guy that did show up he was flying around had a big interception in the end zone his first of the year Amari Henderson he was our D game star let's go downstairs for our defensive game star Amari Henderson Hey, um, you know, we got to take some positives out of this, man. You did a great, I thought you did a great job working through attempted blocks, getting in on ball carriers, man. Talk about just sort of what you did to prepare for this game coming in. Well, we know uh, today, we know it was going to be a hard-fought game. We knew it was going to be a physical game. Um, throughout practice all week this week, it was, the emphasis was block destruction, getting off blocks and being physical and um, bullying the bully, man. So that was the point of emphasis today and tonight, just get off blocks, be physical, and come up and, and stuff the run. Your interception looked like you did a good job of following the eyes of the quarterback and leading yourself to the ball. Yeah, so uh, really on that one, I was really supposed to be the half player on the other side of the field. I just seen the flow of the flow of the play, and I was just watching the quarterback, and I just made a play on the ball, seen the ball in the air, and I was really surprised he threw it. I knew he went, wasn't going to see me, so whenever the ball was in the air, I knew it was going to be mine. So You came out. What, did you On the sidelines, were they like, hey, next time down that? Like, how, how did the, the conversation go? Because you held on to the ball. You took a hell of a hit. Yeah, so my initial reaction when I caught the ball was going to stay in um so so that way we get better field position but i felt like i could have made a play but next time I, i'll probably stay in i talked to coach but <laughs> other than that man i was just trying to make a play for the team and i did take a big hit but i feel good after that i got right back up man talk about the fourth quarter man when when the game when the game seems like it's just out of hand right like how hard is it you know there's a lot of kids
kids listening to this and a lot of football fans, how hard is it to just continue battling through a, a result that you, you think is already sort of set? Well, it shouldn't really be hard. I mean, honestly, you just got to have that mindset, that attack mindset. It doesn't matter when you're down or up. It's just like football is, uh, is a, a great similarity to life. I mean, you're going to get knocked down, but it's not how you get knocked down. It's how you get back up. So it's a pride thing for me. Every single day, every single play, you just got to continue to go hard no matter what, whether it's 0-0, zero, zero, 50 to 0. You just got to continue to go hard no matter what. So that, that was... That was my whole mindset in, in, in the fourth quarter and just throughout the whole game. Last question. So talk about just sort of what, it, you know, do you, do you give yourself 24 hours here to just let this settle? Do you just move on right to BC? Yeah. Uh, well, you know, we, we got to watch the film, chop it up, and, and see what we can harp on and see what we can do better as far as uh, offense, defense, and special teams as a whole unit. Then um, just chop it up, then come back and get ready for, for BC. So we got to go ahead and take this with a grain of salt and get ready for BC. You guys have been on the field a lot lately, man. Good job. Appreciate that. Thank you. That's Amari Henderson downstairs with Luke Mullender after the game uh, in Montreal where they got blown out. 41-12. to 12. Okay, Zinger, let's quickly get to the Sports Cage CFL Power Rankings. Nothing changes at the bottom. Edmonton, Hamilton. They meet in Hamilton this week. That should be a good one. Ooh. I could see Trey Ford leading them to victory. He okay. did. He did. Didn't he do that in his first start? Edmonton and Hamilton. I think mm. he did. So uh, Edmonton against Hamilton this oh, week. It's a Thursday game. Thursday yeah. game. So Edmonton 9, Hamilton 8. I got Ottawa at 7. Um, I got Saskatchewan at six. They they can't be anything but after that horrible no show in Montreal. Calgary doesn't have as good a record, but I put Calgary at five. Calgary's played pretty tough. A B, BC wasn't a good effort. Um, I know you could say well you could put Cal- Riders ahead of Calgary, but right now I feel if Calgary and Saskatchewan played right now tomorrow, Calgary'd win. I don't know why. I just do. Mm. So yeah, I got, I'm, I'm probably with you. All I, that matters though. Yeah, Riders are four and five, and the Stamps are three and six. Yeah, that's right. But in this power ranking, they're at five. At four, yeah. I got Montreal. They really showed me some stuff, man. They got a physical defense, uh, and they did uh, did a great job without some of those good players. Well, coach game by Jason Moss too. You know, Jason Moss, the guy people didn't like here and wanted to run him out of town. Number three, BC Lions. Uh, they look good, rebounding after getting smoked by Winnipeg and knocking off Calgary big time. Number two, Winnipeg. Good job rallying with their backup quarterback Drew Brown and the number one team in the CFL, the Toronto Argonauts at seven yeah. and one. That was a that was a good win yesterday for them. Not saying it's going to happen, but this could be history this year the very first time ever that a that there's an east crossover there's never been an east crossover before and as it sits right now i don't think it would happen but it's awfully close yeah. that fourth place yeah. team in the east if it, if it's better than the third place in the west the east would cross over into the west playoffs that's never happened before i agree man that's a very good point real uh-huh. good point there uh i i still don't think it's going to happen where do you see the Riders ending up record-wise right now? It's, it's just so tough to say. Uh, okay, so let, you're right. You're right. Let's eat the cookie one bite at a time. Yeah. How do you think this game right now on the Monday before the Sunday before we got any? The, now, we reserve the right to change later in the week, but right now, the way-too-early prediction, how do you think Sunday's game's going to go? I think it's going to be a competitive game. I, I, think, I think it's going to be kind of like what the Ottawa game was. It's going to have the same type of feel. It's going to be... It's going to be a close game. I feel like that's just the feeling in my gut. But I, I think be, the I, Lions, could, I, I predict the Lions win twenty four, like twenty two. Yeah, I I could be totally wrong, but I just feel like I don't know. No, I'm we, we we got a call here. I don't okay, know. Okay, take have time. the call. Yeah, yeah let's but, quickly do it. All right, before who do we got? Hi, who's this? John Habsman. Okay, How's it going? okay, John, what's up? Well, you know what, guys, uh, they have to win this week, um, and if they don't. 
they're going to be four and eight. Yeah, they're going to lose both to Winnipeg. You think? Yep, and they'll get blown out in both too. I don't think they'll get blown out of both. If Zach Kalaros isn't playing, they're not getting blown out. Well, I, I still think they will. There, John. Are you John? John, just wait a minute. You're a Habs fan. Are you a Riders fan? Yes, I am. Do you have anything nice to say about the Riders? You never call in here all pumped up about the team. You're telling me this guy needs a dinner on Delta, and this guy should be fired, and that guy should be gone, and that guy's a bum. What What do you like about that? Why are you still a fan then, John? Well, hey, it's our only team here, but you know what? Um, what's there really positive to be about? We're you know? fu- John, mean, John, sure. John, John. How old are you, John? I'll be 52 in October. So you're around the same age as me. So, John, you watched a lot of bad football in your time around here. Why would we... We're 4-5, and and listen, I'm not going to sit here and say it's all chips and gum. I get it. We're below 500. We stunk the joint out in Montreal. You should be mad. But we're 4-5 and with our third-string quarterback now. Uh, We got a championship defense. I think we got really good special teams in terms of the upper echelon, in terms of kicking, punting, and returning. We need to tighten up the coverage units. But we still have a pretty... You know, competitive team. What? 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 Uh, it's not the '80s, John. No, and it's not the uh, Roy Shivers era where we had more talent than most teams in the league either. Did we? Did we? Wait a minute here now. Wait a minute here. Did we win a great cup with Roy Shivers? No, we didn't. But they won with his players. I, I won't disagree with that. I won't disagree with that. Uh, so, what do you want to see done? You want somebody? If they lose to BC, do you want somebody fired? Dickinson, the coach. You want him fired? Who would you replace? And also maybe maybe the offensive coordinator. Um, Tommy Condell's out there, and he's 10 times the coordinator. Kelly Jeffrey is. Yeah, but you just don't the high school coordinator. Yeah, but you just don't plug and play guys mid season. Like Tommy Condell's not going to come in here mid season and turn the offense around. The, the players might not be uh, the, you know the kind of players that he wants to run an offense with. Nobody's getting. I'm telling you this right now. Unless the bottom absolutely falls out on Sunday and they get bombed like 56 nothing, like a la Winnipeg against Saskatchewan uh, in 1986, I think, or 87. Unless the bottom falls out, nobody is getting fired this year. They will go to the end of the year. I could tell you that for for free. Well, that I know, but Balgi, I mean, you said they're a championship defense. Well, a championship defense give up 41 points. To a no-name quarterback in Montreal, had Pajardo played, they would have scored fifty. Yeah, uh, I have my own reasons for not giving Fajardo credit. Anyway, thanks for your time, man. I appreciate it. Okay, John. You, buddy. Thanks, yep. man. Okay, we got another call here. We'll get yeah. the you uh, text McCauley. Tell him he'll be on with you tomorrow. Okay? Nice. Sounds okay, good. let's go to this phone call. Hi, who's this? Leanne. Hi, Leanne. Hey, Mike, you know, you want people to call in, and if people want to voice their opinion, don't rip them a strip. That's just their opinion. Well, I'm not ripping like, him a strip. your opinion. I'm not ripping him a strip. I'm asking him why he's a football. Like, he doesn't have anything nice to say about the Riders, ever. Okay, so what, after this last game, was there nice to say about the Riders? Honestly. Well, I don't know. I thought Amari Henderson played a good game. I thought on defense we were decent at times. We're on the field too much. Uh, I really like the play of Jareth Stern still. I like what Sean Bain Jr. continues to do. Um, I don't think you just uh, say the whole thing sucks, burn it to the ground. I'm not saying that, but that game wasn't watchable. 
Well, sure, it I wasn't. wouldn't have paid a hundred dollars to go watch that. And if that happens again this week, I ain't paying any more money this year to go watch that. Yeah, and I, and you're fair to say that. But what my point is, what is firing somebody going to do now? Like, if you fire Craig Dickinson tomorrow, who's taking over the team? I say not right now. I say end of the year because then you have some candidates to look at. If they're going to do it after the bye week, I would say maybe Shivers, but then you lose a good defensive coordinator doing his job. Yeah, that's right. You're taking away two hours or three hours of his time to make him a head coach. There, but the bottom line is this: they are they they had a bad game. There's no doubt about it. You're absolutely right. It's it's it was not unwatch. It was unwatchable. Pardon me. And I had to sit through the whole thing. Okay, but I'm telling you, we're four and five with our third string quarterback. We laid an egg. There's no doubt about it. But we're four and five with a championship defense and a better than average special teams, at least in terms of the kicking and the return game. We still have a pretty solid foundation here would you not agree no you don't okay what don't you what 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 is what what's no good about this team besides uh, well, the we know, offensive line is still terrible yeah but it, wh- why is it why is it struggling do you think well you still haven't brought have they brought any more old linemen since these other guys got hurt no well they got tucker back but he is uh, not ready to play yet I'll, i guess we'll find out this week the guy they had in camp but yeah they haven't brought anybody else in you're right Okay, when Pipkin, come on. Why don't you get a kid from down south that you, at least you can put three on the roster? Let's have another look at a kid. Why are you getting Antonio Pipkin? Why? Because we're. I know full- we need a third quarterback, but get a kid to come up here. Let's have a look at him in practice and meetings. You know, like kind of get a little bit of a jump. But, but we're trying. But, but but your season ticket, your season ticket holder, Leanne, or you just uh, buy random t- like you just buy tickets this game or that buy game. Random one okay. I can go. Yeah. Okay, so you spend sixty, eighty bucks. You buy. You, you spend your money. You got a right to call in here and complain. But you want it. You probably want to see your team uh, make the playoffs this year, don't you? Well, absolutely, but I don't think they will. Okay, but if you want to see your team make the playoffs, would you have a better chance with the guy that's been in the league for five years in Antonio Pipkin or some new guy that doesn't know a lick about the CFL? Well, what's he, what has he done with all the other teams he's been? He's never been a starter. No, but maybe... DC, Montreal, name it. But maybe he's here to help the... He's he's he, he's definitely on the roster because Mason Fine's going to be longer than two to three weeks. He brings CFL experience, and maybe he helps our putrid third, uh, third down situation because he's been good at that at least. Well, I agree on that. Yeah, for third down, but Shea, so Shea Patterson, big play Shea from Michigan is not yeah. going to get a chance to, to play. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I wanted to see actually Shea Patterson at the end of that game uh, so in, instead of Jake Dolagala. So it'll be interesting. I hope Big Jake can have a good game with one uh, one full week under his belt. And uh, maybe he can uh, surprise us or show us exactly, you know, that otherworldly arm and make uh, some uh, good, accurate throws. And, you know, like I look at Ottawa, what's Crum, their third-string quarterback? And, no, they're not winning. But, you know what, that game was really fun to watch last night. They ball out. Their teammates rallied around that kid, and they're playing hard for him. Yeah, and you're right about that. Can't disagree. I, think I, don't, it- mind, I don't mind losing. I mean, we're not going to go 18-0. I mind losing. But effort means everything. And they must have just FedEx that win in last whatever night it was. Yeah, yeah, it was Friday a, night. Yeah, it was bad, Leon. There's no doubt about it. Hey, we're up against the clock. Thanks for listening and calling in. Appreciate Thanks. it. Appreciate it. All right. Uh, when we come back, we're going to hear from John Ryan. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. 
And your sports ticker at 534 is for Busy Bee Overhead. Busy Bee will repair or replace your residential or commercial garage door so you don't get stuck in or out. Catch the buzz. Busy Bee Doors, the garage door specialists. Some fresh news out of the National Football League. Free agent running back Dalvin Cook is planning to sign a one-year deal worth up to $8.6 million with the... New York Jets. So Delvin Cook, it's looking like he is going to be joining Aaron Rodgers in the Big Apple. The kings of Saskatchewan sports talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. All right, time to head back out in the Western Pizza Hotline with my buddy John Ryan. John, I got a cold. I picked it up here the last couple of days. Man colds are very real. Like the man, It hits men really hard, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, I don't know what what it is about it, but it does seem to uh, cripple us a little bit. <laughs> so, uh, uh, John, uh, you, how how do things go with the baseball team this year? The the pickles, the pickles uh, did really well this year. I mean, it's the semifinal, and we actually just lost out of the playoffs on Sunday night. So uh, we're already looking to next year. So uh, the Saskatoon Berries are the new team in the WCBL, and I was like, "What a stupid name!" But then I'm like, "Wait, my buddy John Ryan owns the pickles. What do you think of the Saskatoon Berries?" <laughs> I, I like it. I like it a lot, actually. I, I like the logo. I like the colors. I like what they're doing. Uh, my buddy, Troy Westwood, actually sent me that right away when it came out, and I was uh, I was pretty impressed. We have a we have a team in our league called the Nanaimo Bars, so I think that the uh, soccer team berries is, uh, works, too. <laughs> the, the Savannah Bananas are another team, right, that are playing out there, there in the world go. of baseball. Yeah. yeah, for yeah. sure. Hey, I think it's cool, too. You're a baseball guy. How about the uh, North Regina Little League team going to Williamsport? That's really cool. Yeah, I was pretty pumped when I saw that. Um, I heard they had like 3,000 fans in the, the game or something. I grew up playing on that exact field uh, in North Regina, so uh, I thought that was pretty cool. I, I played for the All-Star team back when I was uh, 11 years old. We didn't go all the way. Like, these guys are going, but it's going to be a pretty cool experience for them for sure. So uh, what made you choose football in the end? You were a receiver. You played lacrosse. You played baseball. What made you turn into a punter? <laughs> Uh, I think honestly, what, what turned me into a punter is my love for, for, for football. Uh, you know, I was, you know, I'd play football outside every day uh, with the, the neighborhood kids, and then uh, eventually people would would leave or go home for dinner, and then eventually, you know, one on one football with my brother. Uh, eventually, he would get bored of it, and then I was just kind of left alone with the football. And uh, the only thing you can do when you're left alone with football is kick it. And that's literally how, how I became a punter. It's just uh, being like <laughs> the redheaded kid left out in the cold with one with one football. And uh, the only guy that's won a Super Bowl from Saskatchewan. That's cool. Hey, I don't know how much. I know you were at a Ryder game this year. I don't know how much you've watched from afar, but Adam Korzak came in late to camp, and he has stepped in nicely. He's like you. He's got a lot of uh, clubs in his bag, so to speak. Yeah, no, he's, he's playing really well. Uh, I've been uh, very impressed with him. Um, you know, the it's, it's not an easy position in the, the CFL. It's, it's difficult to do with, uh, you know, the five yards and the, all the returns, but uh, he's been impressive. You know, and that is great, though, isn't it? It makes you feel, it, it makes you feel to me, I could be wrong, I never punted and both you did, it, it makes it feel like your job's more important with our kick return rules. I think it is. You know, um, it, 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 it's it's a, uh, someone said it's a fool's, a fool's errand trying to punt in the, uh, the CFL, but uh, it, it, it's a lot of fun. You're, you're very involved in the game. Uh, you know, it's not like the NFL where you punt two or three times a game and they're usually fair catches. Uh, it's, it's a really big part of the game, and 
that's probably, that's probably the reason why I came back and, and played for three more years because I love it so much. No kidding. John Ryan joining us here, Regina Football Royalty. Okay, so let's chat a bit about the NFL. How do you think your old buddy Aaron Rodgers is going to do with the New York Jets? Uh, time will tell. I think he'll do well. Uh, I watched the first episode of Hard Knocks. I don't know if you guys get it. I'm yeah. in Canada. But uh, it was just one hour of uh, stroking his ego, which <laughs> was just painful to watch. But uh, I did play with the guy, and I do, I do like the guy. And uh, I hope he does well. Um, time, time will tell. It'll be interesting. Yeah, uh, it, it seems like he's trying to rebrand himself, you know what I mean? Giving money back and trying to, I'm going to stay for two years. There's no drama in terms of, I don't know if I'm going to play or this could be my last year. It seems like it, you know. I think that that, that drama for the last uh, couple of years of you know what, go or stay or retire or you know go to go to a sweat lodge and decide <laughs> what he's going to do. All that uh, stuff around that was getting a little uh, obnoxious to me. But uh, it's good to see that he's uh, he's being liked by his teammates and uh, uh, they're all speaking well of him. So uh, it's good to see that he's just kind of stuck to his gun and say he's going to be there for at least a couple of years. You're on the team. Uh, you have a chance to win the game. Final drive. Do you take Aaron Rodgers or Brett Favre, two of your former teammates? I've never asked you this. <laughs> Uh, you know what? I think I, I think I take Aaron. You know, Brett Brett was uh, a little unpredictable. He was you know one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, but he was he was such a gunslinger. He never uh, he never shot away from that. You when the game was on the line, so uh, I think I take uh, take A Rod. Yeah. Hey, I want to go back to the Riders for a second. Uh, people are talking about all oh, the coach doesn't seem to have the team prepared, and they go to Montreal and they get smoked. And yeah, I mean, I think there's a little bit from column A and a little from column B. But at what point is it the players' responsibility to be ready for games? I mean, you look at Chris Jones. This, you played for Dickey and Jones. Uh, Dickey takes a different approach than Jones. Jones sleeps under his desk. He eats, sleeps, and lives football. That's why he lives in a hotel room. Sometimes it comes down to the uh, the, the the players, doesn't it? I agree with you. You know, players have to take that on their shoulders and they have to prepare themselves. You know, um, I, as you said, I played for Jones and actually lived in the same hotel as, <laughs> as Jones last year. So I, I would see him come in, you know, at 10 o'clock every night. And, you know, when I would leave at seven in the morning, he was already, already there. So the hours that he put in is, is crazy. Uh, and Diggy kind of takes a little bit different approach, kind of having somewhat of a life outside of football. And, uh, you know, it's uh, unfortunately for Jones, it's not really paying off this year. But as you said, I think it, it comes to the point where the players have to take that on their shoulders. You know, they have to uh, take responsibility. And at the end of the day, you know, they're the they're the guys in the field. All right, uh, the Athletic came out with the top uh, top five. I put the top six together. We'll call this a pick six with John Ryan. The top six players that are under twenty five. They got to be twenty five or younger before this year's. Week one game. So let's go with the six here, and I'll get a comment from you on each of these guys. The guy right uh, in your neck of the woods, Justin Herbert, L.A. Chargers, richest quarterback in the NFL right now. Just your thoughts on him. First of all, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't believe he's under 25. You know, yeah. he, he came in so strong. He's been playing so well that, you know, if, I, if you would have asked me, I would have said he's 27 or 28, and it feels like he's been there for a while. Uh, but just, uh, you know, a, a great talent, you know, in, you know, definitely, definitely a top 10 quarterback in the league, if not top five. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bengals receiver Jamar Chase at number five. This guy is explosive. He's fun to watch. He's a, he's a bit of a freak. You know, it, it's just fun. It's just fun to watch him, how explosive he is. And, uh, just, you know, got, got a nose for the ball. And, just uh, makes amazing plays and doesn't doesn't hurt that he has Joe Burrow as a quarterback. Either. No, it doesn't. Number four, Patrick Sertain the second from the Broncos, a corner. A lot of people say when they watch Bronco games, he's the best guy on the field. Yeah, yeah, he's he's a he's a great talent. You know, reminds me a little bit of Darrell Revis in terms of you know when you go into a game plan, you just be like we're not throwing to his side of the field. 
you know, so sometimes those guys end up not having the best interception numbers just because they're staying away from them. And I think he's uh, kind of like that talent. Uh, Nick Bosa, number three from the 49ers. He is the better of the Bosa brothers. Both of them have trouble staying on the field, but uh, he's a game record, that guy. Yeah, another guy was, what, he's, he's under 25? Yeah. You know, his, 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 once again, it feels like he's been around for so long because he's been so dominant. And, uh, you know, I guess he is probably better than his brother, but as you said, the biggest concern is just trying to keep them on the field, both of them with the, with the injuries. And this guy here, number two, Micah Parsons from the Cowboys, speaking of wrecking a game, that guy can wreck a game. Uh, once again, you know, just a, a freaky athlete and uh Pretty pretty fun to watch. You know, I've been watching that quarterbacks uh, docu series there that Peyton Manning put on. Who, by the way, is going to be a professor now at the University of Tennessee. You think you could come back and be a professor at the University of uh, Regina? Absolutely not. Uh, I mean, I don't think they would honor my my uh, my fake doctorate degree because I don't have a real one. So I, I don't I don't think that's in my cards. That's hilarious. Okay, so uh, I was watching that docu series and Kirk Cousins. I got an appreciation for that guy, but. They showed from a bunch of different angles that catch that Justin Jefferson made in Buffalo. That may have been the greatest catch I've ever seen in an NFL game where he caught it with one hand on a fourth and like 18. They list him as the top player, 25 or younger in the NFL Vikings receiver. Yeah, he's, he's fun to watch. And kind of the, you know, that quarterback show that I, I've watched as well and kind of get an inside look at the, at the goings on of a NFL locker room and, a, uh, what what those players go through on a day-to-day basis, I, I obviously know. But I thought it was pretty cool to kind of let everyone else in on that and they kind of get a greater appreciation for for a lot of those guys. You know, I think Kirk Cousins had a lot of people that, you know, didn't really like him that much or just kind of neutral on him. And I think after watching that show, you, you can't help but love the guy. I'll tell you what, man. I didn't realize he negotiated in his contract to have Tuesdays off. How would that sit for teammates in a locker room? You know, I think Tuesday's just kind of like the day off for, you know, most of the guys. I know, uh, I always took Tuesday off. I never, I never went in on Tuesdays, uh, especially as I got older, never went in. Um, most players, I'd say, don't go in, but it is a little bit different for a quarterback. Uh, most quarterbacks are there, you know, seven days a week, 12, 14 hours a day. But, uh, at the same time, for a veteran guy like that, I think to kind of, uh, you know, recharge yourself and have that day off. I kind of like it. I think it's a, it's a really good idea. It surprised me a little bit, but I thought it was a good idea. Yeah, it is a good idea. Did you have more fun playing in the CFL or NFL? I know you had more pomp and pageantry and money, and it's a bigger deal in the NFL. But did you have uh, more fun playing in the CFL? Um, I, I had a lot of fun everywhere I went. You know, it's hard to say which one was more fun. Uh, you know, when you're on the field, but the pressure is the same. All that's the same. Uh, off the field, a little bit different when, you know, you know, you playing with a, a room full of millionaires as opposed to a room full of a thousand, a thousand heirs. Um, but um, yeah, it, it's tough to say. I, at the end of the day, I'd probably say CFL was more fun. You know, you have a, a tighter bond with a lot of those guys. Uh, you're all kind of in the same boat. You know, a lot of times you're all living in the same apartment complex or the same area. Uh, and the NFL is kind of when the, when the day is done, everyone kind of goes their, their separate ways. You know, it's, mm. you're putting in, as I said, you know, those 10, 12, 14 hour days. And when the day is done, everyone kind of just goes back to their own, their own thing, you know, rightfully so because it's, it's exhausting. But in the CFL, when you're working a four and a half hour day and, you know, it's one o'clock in the afternoon and everyone's done, it's, uh, not uncommon for, you know, 10 or 12 guys to go grab a beer. Or, go to the beach or hang out, and that, that part of the CFL was a lot of fun. Yeah, you, you, you probably need a little more discipline to play in the CFL because you got a little more free time, don't you? You really do. You know, a lot of times you have to put in those workout hours on your own. Um, you know, I know, I know when I played in Winnipeg, this was, you know, 20 years ago now, so I think things have changed. We didn't have, like, a set workout thing. 
plan or a regimen. Wow. You know, uh, I mean, Dickie kind of does a little bit different where you work out with the team three times a week. But you were totally on your own doing that. And you had a lot of downtime, uh, a lot of time to get in trouble if that's what you wanted to do. And I saw a lot of guys that could have been really good CFL players, you know, uh, screw it all away by, you know, drinking or not doing what they're supposed to do in those uh, those off hours. Mm. Lastly, you always give back to the community. I think I saw somewhere you're coming back to Regina with your uh, lovely wife, Sarah, for a function with the U of R. Am I correct when I say that? Yeah, we'll be the, in Regina at the President's Dinner. Uh, I believe it's September 6th. I think there's tickets still available. Um, my wife and I are going to have a little little sit-down uh, talk with Dale Rummond, and, uh, you know, it, it'll be a lot of fun. Looking forward to going back there as always. John, thanks for all you do. Thanks for joining us. We'll have you throughout the year talking NFL. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks, buddy.